Hey everyone, welcome to What Are You Watching? I'm Alex Swifter and I'm joined by my best man, Nick Dostal. How you doing there, Alan? Alan? Alan from Barbie. Oh, gee. Ah. <laughs> Hi, I'm Alan. I'm Ken's best friend. I can fit in all of his clothes. <laughs> I mean, this is as good a time as any to discuss the egregious Oscar snub from this year before we even get going with the episode. Well, before we get into it. Because Michael Sarah was so damn funny in Barbie. I just cannot believe he wasn't nominated. I mean, Ryan Gosling released a statement about it. Hillary Clinton released a tweet about it. We were all waiting for her response on this matter. It's just a crying shame. It's a damn crying shame. <laughs> no. <laughs> Note to listeners. Seriously, if a movie is nominated for eight Academy Awards, it was not snubbed by the Academy Awards. If a person is nominated for an Oscar, even if they are not nominated for the specific award that you think they should have been, that person was not snubbed by the Oscars. I've been having so much fun watching people flip out about this for the, <laughs> since we recorded our live nominations episode. It's like, here it is again. I just, I mean, for like one of the first times in my life, it's other people doing this stuff and not me. I'm usually the one who's groaning about like that tiny movie that didn't get any nominations. And I'm like, well, if you people really knew what was up, you would have nominated this obscure thing that cost, you know, $600,000. That was the real masterpiece of this year. But now I just get to watch everyone else losing their minds over like two <laughs> two little quote unquote snubs. And I it's just it's been great. Most of the people flipping out have no context for like anything. And I'm like, people, they do this every year. I'm sorry that they're doing it for like the one or two movies you've seen this year, but they do this every year. Welcome to the party, pal. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's actually probably a very fair point to say the one or two movies you've seen this year. Because well, if you're just talking about like the masses, yes. you know what I mean? Oh, I it's do. It's probably true. It's probably Barbenheimer were the things that you went and saw. And I'm talking from personal experience because I've just I've had so many people texting me, DMing me, asking me about this. People that I don't normally the same people who went to the theater to go to see Barbie who I like have either never talked to movies about or they never go to the theater or anything. It's these people being like, do you think this is a snub? Do you think these are snubs? And I'm, you know, calmly replying no. And then I always ask, I just out of curiosity, I don't even like, it's not even a talking point. I just ask, hey, I'm curious, how many movies did you see this year? Here's the overall point. When I saw so many people bemoaning about these snubs, 90% of those people complaining about that have never seen nor likely have never heard of Anatomy of a Fall or The Zone of Interest before Oscar nomination day. So all I'm saying is watch those movies and then we can argue about what was snubbed. That's all. Right? Speaking of snubs. Yes. What about Natalie? Well, that that was, yeah, we didn't get a chance to, I did like a, a very mini follow-up recording to our Oscar nominations pod because I had forgotten about those three. Like for a while there, she was the one I think on the most outside of all three of them. Charles Melton, I thought for a while was like a lock. We're talking about May, yes. December, the movie on Netflix did, that did receive an Oscar nomination for screenplay, which before this whole Barbie thing happened, which I think Barbie has a really good chance to an adapted screenplay. I really do now. Is May, December adapted or original? Um, yeah, it's adapted because it's based yeah, on... Yeah. Oh, uh, Hold on, look it up. God damn it. Why am I sweating? <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> I don't know why I'm sweating. No, it's... Okay. So, May, December... 
I am. I don't know. May December did get nominated in original screenplay. I think that has a really good chance to be Anatomy of a Fall. I think I think it's taken in. Has a very both of them. Their part. Their partners. Yeah, Justine Tria and Arthur Harari. But yeah, no acting. So yeah. no Julianne Moore, no Natalie. I, My is Natalie. It, what's her, is it too? I can't even say. Is it too weird? Because the Zone of Interest is nominated for a ton of Oscars. So like the weirdness went out the window. I I was surprised none of them got in. Actress yeah, clearly was very, very tight because everyone's talking about the one person who didn't make it in. Yeah, Supporting actress, I did think Julianne Moore had a pretty good chance at that. And then, yeah, supporting actor, I, I mean, I, I don't know. It seemed like Sterling K. Brown kind of made it in there pretty late because that fourth spot was open. So that could have gone to Brown, could have gone to Charles Melton, but it went to Brown for a very good performance. He's the best part of American fiction. I loved him in American fiction. I can't wait to see this but movie. Anyway. Because that's like, yeah, I mean, it's it's like the little movie that kind of could of 2023. Like, I don't think there's always that one. Yeah, I don't think a lot of them expected these Oscar nominations and it's cool and it's gotten a lot of people to see it. I was going to say this for what are you watching, but I'm catching up on some like bigger movies. I mean, The Holdovers, American Fiction and The Creator. These are three Oscar nominees. And I thought all of their trailers were very, very bad. I did not like any of their trailers. The creators on Hulu, I fired that up uh, a few days after Oscar noms. It's actually pretty good. <laughs> like I actually liked it. I was like, oh, this is, I'm really into this. Much, mm, not much, but a better first hour than a second hour, which, you know, that's fine. Who cares? It's not like it was nominated for best picture. But I went, I don't think the trailer did right by this. So I, I don't know. That American fiction to me. Don't judge it by its trailer. Better movie than that. I've already seen my least favorite trailer so far of the year. Of 2024? Is it Madam's Web? <laughs> I mean, oh, actually, yeah. no. I, 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 I'm not saying it's a bad trailer in terms of like it's, it's, it's actually a movie that I'm curious to see. But the trailer did the unforgivable sin of just giving me oh. what seems to be the beginning, middle, and end. Oh, my God. And, of course, I'm not calling the movie shots. But there were some things that were revealed in the trailer that I just would have loved to have never known. And if I went and saw that movie, then I would be like, oh, shit, I didn't know the movie was going to go here. Now I'm going to be anticipating it. We're talking about the uh, Zendaya movie, uh, Challengers, I believe it's called. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I didn't know you were going here. Unfortunately, I have so much insight into this. I have potentially oh. not watched that trailer, but I listen to podcasters who have seen that movie at festivals, and they say the trailer gives away everything. Oh, see, everything. I'm telling you. That, that, that's yeah, it. Like, everything. That's, Why? Why I would you do know, that? and it's so bothersome. Whoa, that's crazy. I was just thinking to myself. That, I mean, it's crazy that like you've you've identified this as well. That's wild. Yeah, I and I had no idea that this was being talked about, but it was just a thing where I was like, oh, well, I mean, you literally can like s- cut it by like the screenplay structure. Well, that's the turning point. That's the this. That's the that. And <laughs> And and I was like, I, I really wish I didn't know these things because I'm going to go see this movie and then I'm going to be like, yeah, I know this is about to happen. And then I know this is about to happen. Oh, and then blah, blah. I never understand these moves, especially when she's the movie can be sold off her name alone. alone. Enough people are going to go see it. You don't need some like trailer giving away. I, I don't know. Maybe her, maybe they're like her fans do need to be spoon fed and they do. <sighs> but it's R rated. It's like a sex it, thing. I don't know if it translates to her fans. I don't know. I don't. That's that's so wild to me. I kind of want to go watch the trailer now, uh, but I'll, I'll, I'll wait till the movie's out because I love Luca Guadagnino. Yeah. But to spoil that just seems 
idiotic. And, I, and, and she is a star of today's caliber that, you know, we talk about like that who's a movie star these days. And yeah, I think she actually has a claim to that statement that people will just go see any movie that she's in just because it's Zendaya. All right, we got to get to the theme of today's episode. It's, yeah, it's get, Oscar related. Yeah, it's Oscar related. Let's We're going to have go. a lot of fun today. Let's go. I know you're excited because because this is my idea. It was my idea, and because not of that, yours. Yep, and because of that, asshole, you get to host. Go. Uh, uh, look at uh, that. What are you, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen? I wasn't even going to say that, but you got to come out with you. It was your idea. Yes. When I was out there for M83 in October, we were kind of shooting the shit just about Oscars. And (laughs) you said, you know, because Best Picture has changed so much since the voting changed in 2009, it would be fun to kind of like, you know, loosely and just and just in a fun way, go through each year and talk. And then we kept like throwing it around and we're like, yeah, it'd be fun to talk about what should have just been nominated, the five films that should have been nominated, not what we think it should have been, but what like, sometimes there are easy ones to exclude, but if it wasn't this five to 10 nonsense or 10 nominees, if it was all, if it was still just five, what movies would have been nominated and then which movie should have won best picture? And again, this does not mean which movie we personally subjectively think should have won best picture. We're putting some Oscar lore into it. We're putting some Oscar history and going, you know, I know for certain that my favorite film of blank of this year would never win Best Picture because that's just ridiculous. So I'm going to go with a more like logical answer and then we're going to argue in each year and it's going to be a lot of fun. And and also just again, I mean, we do this every single year, but uh, if you could indulge for this episode, uh, explain the um, rules that... I know, I know, because I feel like this is why we're doing this is this because is, is no, this you're the right. best you're way right. to tally? It's and I we just don't think that it is. I yeah, and I I've done this on uh, a lot of Oscar episodes, so and I don't even want to say all this stuff again. We're talking about preferential voting for best picture, but I'm just gonna burn through it. I actually I want to like, record a soundbite because I did. I have all the same bullet points here, but I, I want to record a soundbite and then just boop and use it. <sighs> okay, preferential voting. So a little history for the Oscars. 2008 is what ruined all of this. When The Dark Knight was not nominated for Best Picture, and you can even slightly attach Wally to this argument as well, because people were upset. They were like, Wally should have been nominated for Best Picture. But it was really The Dark Knight. When that was not nominated for Best Picture, people lost their minds. Like the, the masses lost their minds. And they go, what's the relevancy of the Oscars? And it was that whole thing. So because the Academy Awards are a very reactionary group, and they are, they buckle under pressure, they listen, they immediately, without warning, say, the next year, we're doing things differently. We're doing what's called preferential voting, because every other category, every other category is voted on by popularity. Whatever gets the most votes wins. So best director, if Christopher Nolan gets the most votes this year, he wins. That's very easy to explain. I didn't even have to look that up. Best Picture, on the other hand, since beginning in 2009 and still to this day, employs a ranked choice voting system known as preferential voting. Voters order all the nominees by preference. If one movie comes away with more than 50% of the first place votes in the first round, that's the Best Picture winner. But if no movie meets that threshold, 
then the film with the fewest first place votes is eliminated. People who had ranked that film first will have their votes transferred to their second choices. And so it goes until some movie wins a majority. This, I, like, I copy pasted that. I didn't type that. I copy pasted that from like an Oscar website. I don't even know what that means. I know that's yeah. in English, but like, I, I get <laughs> how they do it, but it's so confusing and it's so dumb. And this is why, this is why we have seen some very questionable movies win Best Picture, I think, since 2009. Now, I also have to say, please don't think that just because it was popular vote before 2008, I agree with every Best Picture winner. I agree with very few Best Picture winners, but I understand how the Academy arrived at that decision. It makes sense. I'm never like, huh? Or the years that I am like, huh? Like 2005, when Crash Beats Brokeback Mountain, there is a reason for that. It's not a very positive reason. It's just latent homophobia within the Academy, but there's a reason for it. Some years, not every year, but some years since 2009, we just get these baffling Best Picture winners that uh, uh, honestly are not culturally relevant to me. Maybe they are in like the month or two around Oscar campaign time, but no one talks about these movies anymore. Like no one. And that is kind of what we're doing today. We're we're doing a little revisionist history because we think it'll be fun. And because this is also a nice little we, we, we speak about this a lot in not just Oscars, but in just in terms of. What are the movies that stand the test of time? It's Mm -hmm. a very important conversation to have because when it comes to art, as the years go on, some things fall through the cracks and they're good and they are good. But then there's some things that are like, okay, it's undeniable. This is a movie that we're still talking about 40, 50 years ago. So just looking at the last 10 to 15 years in this, like the movies that will will bring up you're going to be like oh yeah that's right that movie this movie yeah and what are the movies that like are still being talked about today that either won or didn't win what's cool is we have 15 years to go through the this current year is the 15th so it's a little different because we technically do not know what is one best picture but we can certainly you know debate about the nominees what should have been the 5 the Oscars are a reactionary group. As we said, this this was a big change. This is a change that we really thought that I'm still hoping they revert back to and go back to the five. I don't know if that's going to happen. I wonder, and I saw a lot of people, I was engaging with people on Oscar nomination day about this very topic with, with these snubs, with Greta Gerwig not getting in at director. Do we now go to 10 best director nominees? And then best director becomes preferential voting. And then is it, Mm. well, let's just make every major category. So actor, actress, and then, well, why not? Let's do every category. Are we close to that? I don't know. I don't know. The Oscars are very, very different now as well, even from 2008, because when Oscar So White became a thing in 2000, the morning of Oscar nominations in 2015, which were for, for the performances in 2014, the Academy is completely different from those 10 years ago in terms of their size, there's about 10,000 members now as opposed to 3,000, way more diverse in terms of age, race, gender, all that stuff. And I'm here for that. That's all good. That's fine. Oh, yeah. I'm, that's, that's a good change, but I still wish everyone was voting on five movies per category. And I actually think most people agree with us on this. I do. I don't think many people are down for the 10 noms for Best Picture. Do, or do you think what would be a change would be if you made... The ten you kept the ten, 
And then you did that exactly what you're saying. Make 10 nominees for best director, 10 nominees for actoring, actoring, 10 <laughs> nominees for the actor categories. Let me say actoring from now on. But you got rid of the preferential voting style. Like it was all just, all right, who gets the most votes? I'm totally into that. I totally love to see that. That I don't know if that would happen. I I would be it I should be clear too. It's the preferential voting that's the problem. It's not the ten nominees. It's the preferential voting that is very confusing. That the average there's 10,000 members of the Academy. The average member does not understand this stuff. We get to see like anonymous ballots or we get to hear people groaning about this. They don't know how this works. And there's a lot of groaning of, well, so does my does best picture even matter? Like with this ranking, like that if I put something with this ranking, if I put something third that could end up winning and yeah. getting the most votes. Like, what are you talking about? This doesn't I don't know. The thing I would always love, they would never, ever, ever do this is if just one year one year they would treat it like sports and let us know the final tally of nominees, like how many votes each person got. They would never, ever oh, do it, but at least no. they wouldn't do it for, you know, the actoring categories, but they would do it, <laughs> but just do it for where where you're not isolating individuals. Like if they did it for best picture, that would be awesome. Like if we were back at popular vote and you told us this is how many, you know, X got this year, because I would always love to know that, especially in the years I'm talking about which we're going to get to, where some of the best picture winners are a little bit baffling. And I'm like, how close was this? Did this like, was this a squeaker? Like, did this just barely pull off a win? I would love to know what the second place was. But, you know, that's again, that's a that is a pipe dream. They will never do that. Never. One can dream. One can always. So let's get going. We're going to start with 2009. We're going to go through each year. And there's two things we're going to do. We're going to talk about what the five nominees should have been, and then we're going to talk about what the best picture winner should have been. And I think some years, given at least when I was going through, some years really jumped out at me more than others. Others were like, yeah, this kind of makes sense. And some years I'm like, what the fuck? The first one, actually, all in all, kind of makes sense. And I don't really have much to like disagree with. And I think the five nominees are extremely easy to call out. But you, you ready to get going? I'm ready. Tee it up. Tee it up. 2009. I'll 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 say the year, the winner, and then the nominees. 2009 was the year the Hurt Locker won. It was nominated alongside Avatar, The Blind Side, District 9, and Education, and Glorious Bastards, Precious, A Serious Man, Up, and Up in the Air. Even saying some of those titles like The Blind Side, uh, no. District 9, you may yeah. like that movie, n- n- no. Up, no. Those movies are never getting nominated the year before. Never. So let's talk about what is. I don't know about Up. Okay. uh, Up? Up? Okay. Uh, Right when I said that, Nick's eyebrows went up. So went up. (laughs) Oh, we're just (laughs) actoring away today. Um, (laughs) Well, okay. Let's go through them because I think where you're going to go. Here's what I think would have been nominated. Avatar, Inglorious Bastards, The Hurt Locker, Precious, Up in the Air. That's what I think our five nominees were. What do you think it would have been? All right. So I went with Avatar, Inglorious Bastards, The Hurt Locker, Up, and Up in the Air. Okay. Yeah. That's I, in my notes, I said, I think Up is the outlier. I think Up could, you know, yeah. kind of squeak in here. Now, animated movies had been nominated before Beauty and the Beast was the first to be nominated for Best Picture. But it's incredibly rare, and I don't know how many times it really would have happened total if we didn't have these 10 nominees thing. Also, keep in mind, 
Precious was a huge thing in 2009, and Lee Daniels became one of the first black people ever nominated for Best Director, if not the first. I apologize that I don't know that off the top of my head, but it was a thing. It was a huge deal. And even in 2009, that was my favorite movie. That's I called Precious my favorite movie that, of that year. So I don't know if Ump bumps out Precious, but I don't know. And it's an interesting point. The reason I, I think I, th- that's actually a very good call. And I think the reason that I actually put up in there is because I remember how widely successful that movie was. It was during yeah. 2009. So I was thinking about all right, putting a movie in that's that has that kind of that kind of star power. And I did that a couple times in here, but I think I think you are right about having Precious in there. Yeah, I mean that that's the harder one to kind of go back and forth, but I, up is yeah, that's what I had at six. But the, again, there are clear ones like in Education. I like that movie, but that's not a Best Picture nominee. Yeah, like it, it, it's so. Sometimes some of them really, really jump out at us, regardless of whether it was Up or Precious. This was the Avatar versus Hurt Locker race, and I thought they went with the best winner. I thought they picked the Hurt Locker. That was the right decision. No, no argument for me. I agree, Alex. Wow. Yes. Yes. We're starting off here. Well, that's it's nice to start off just like when you're making a movie, you want to try to start your your (laughs) shoot with a nice little gentle day of filming. And then you jump right to 2010, which is the like the nadir of your shoot, the hardest day, the biggest one. 2010. The King's Speech wins. Its fellow nominees were Black Swan, The Fighter, Inception, The Kids Are All Right. 127 Hours, The Social Network, Toy Story 3, True Grit, and Winter's Bone. My five nominees. This is a little tough, actually. This is kind of tough. This is but a tough But I one. came down to, and I will say my sixth, I'm not going to say it, but my sixth, very close six, was Toy Story 3. I think Toy Story 3 would have had a better chance than Up because I think Up would have not gotten the Best Picture nomination. And then when Toy Story 3 came along, people would have been like, all right, hold, like, hold the fucking phone here. We got to nominate this thing. But I still, I didn't even include it. Here, here are my five. The Fighter, Inception, The King's Speech, The Social Network, and True Grit. I Okay, this is interesting. Um, and this might be a little bit biased, but I, I do agree with this. Um, I went with Black Swan, okay. Inception, Social Network, True Grit, and Toy Story 3. So this situation where I don't even have the King's Speech in my nomination. Oh, I love this. I love this. Okay, I didn't yes. okay, I didn't track that. Toy Story 3, I could maybe swap for the fighter. I, you know, the fighter got seven nominations. It's also not a one-to-one ratio that the movies, the five movies that got the most nominees, those are one-to-one automatically the movies that were nominated for best picture. Sometimes they throw in like a fun wrench, like, you know, they'll do that sometimes. So it just because a movie was nominated for like, you know, eight Oscars doesn't mean it's necessarily a lock to get a best picture nominee. It happens. Yes. Okay. So you, this is the first instance of you not having, you don't even think the King's speech would be nominated. I do, unfortunately, because it's a Weinstein movie. And it, we're gonna. Say, I'm gonna say that name yeah, a few times. Yeah. He he got buried, rightfully so, in 2017. But he was still a factor in a lot of these awards, and that I think I think he is the reason why this won. I think that's what happened. That he kind of bulldozed his way over the social network. But I love that you don't have it here. I would. I was debating about Black Swan. I was like, I don't know, Black Swan or the Fighter. Like the Fighter got 
I, I don't know. That's a tough one. But then Toy Story 3, yeah, I could be a little bit more lenient on. I do think that one could sneak in. And you know what? I'm noticing this as we're going through this right now. I can tell. I think I know what I'm doing personally mm-hmm. is I think I am lead. I'm leading with a direction that I, I think the Oscars should go in mm-hmm. as opposed to how they've always gone. Yeah. I'm going to keep going with it because it's an interesting it's an interesting course of debate. It's just about making your case. Just so yeah, make make the case. Yeah. I suppose. Now, granted, yes, Inception is in my top 10 of all time. And I did put that in this nomination, but I think that's because when I when you look back to 2010, I don't think Inception would have gotten the nomination. I because because Hollywood at that time for the Academy, they never really gave a lot of credit to those big Unless they were a certain type of movie, but Inception really is just a cool action flick. And that was the snub of that year was that Nolan did not get nominated for director. So you could be onto something here. Yeah. And so, you know, it was rare for a big blockbuster like that to get a a nomination. Mm -hmm. And I think now that we're in the years that we're in now, this is the direction of movies. You know, you get these nominations for Dune and Top Gun 2 Maverick. And arguably, some of the best movies of those years. Is this sort of a direction that we're leaning into now? And I think I actually put Inception in for this category thinking about that. So it's just an interesting kind of like little conversation to be had about what was and what could be happening now. I think the reason why that's happening now and why more of those movies get in is because there's still 10 damn nominees. I don't think if there were 10 10 damn nominees, that's why people may not remember this, but 2003, when Lord of the Rings, Return of the King swept, it was a a huge deal. Like it was a huge deal when Titanic swept because not only was Titanic derided in a year before the movie came out that this is going to be the biggest piece of shit ever. James Cameron's blowing. <laughs> I mean, the press was just like devouring that movie alive and then it came out. It was always a big deal when the biggest movie of the year also won Best Picture or was the front runner. So yeah, these like huge blockbusters, I get it. Inception never would have had a chance, I don't think, to win Best Picture nominated or not even in, you know, real life. But you know, you know what's funny when we talk about time is True Grit, a movie that I like, but I looked yes, what got the most yes. nominations this year. That was number two. The King's Speech got 12 nominations total, which is why I do think it would be nominated for best pick. But then True Grit got 10. And I'm like, it did? And I like that movie, but that movie does not have the staying power that the movie they made three years earlier, No Country for Old Men, which people still talk about mm-hmm. all the time, or Fargo in 96. It's just funny. It's funny, I don't hear a lot of people talking about True Grit a lot, but you and I like that movie. Like, we just put that on once and we were just watching it because we like it. But it's funny. You know, I like talking about time awards. I like that. What should have won Best Picture this year, Nick? I I just don't think that there's any doubt in anyone's mind. It's like with without a shadow of that doubt it's the social network absolutely the social network it's it, you can't just come on <laughs> i mean that was that was a huge bummer at the time a huge bummer the relevancy of that movie then and now is the same and and it's and it's evolving in in its like whole entire progression of where we're going as a society and i think it's also like said that i think that's one of the most important movies of this entire century so far yeah, it absolutely is. You're right. And it's 
That was one that was glaring to me in the moment when I went, no one's going to be talking about the King speech a year from now, let alone, uh, what are we at, 14 years from now? No one talks about yeah. it. It's just people talk about it because it won Oscars. If it had not won Oscars and if Weinstein had not bulldozed it to the Oscar stage, then I don't think it Whereas people still talk about the social network so much. People talk about the social network like it won Best Picture. And and even looking – they do. And and even looking at this list of categories, you can actually – like people still talk about Inception. People still talk about Black Swan. Yes. People still talk about Toy Story 3. I actually do hear some things, at least on Twitter, about True Grit. <laughs> okay, good, good. But I'm glad it's out there. I'm glad. We don't hear much about The Kids Are All Right. We don't hear much about 127 Hours. So, like, no. these are some of the movies that you see that kind of just really fall through. It's like, all right. Uh, it's very, very interesting. Good year, though. Good year. Yeah, 2010. I didn't like the year as it was happening, but it's, yeah, there are some pretty good nominees here. They just uh, fucked up the endgame, as I like to say. They didn't award good stuff. Mm-mm. <sighs> This next year's tough, man. This is this is yeah. tough. We did a whole podcast on this year, this 2011. Is this is a very tough one. The Artist Wins. That is another. That is another Weinstein distributed movie. Its fellow nominees: The Descendants, extremely loud and incredibly close. <laughs> the Help, Hugo, Midnight in Paris, Moneyball, The Tree of Life, War Horse. <laughs> War Horse, baby. War Horses. <laughs> wow, that movie's just a. Like a giant piece of shit. Like that movie is <laughs> terrible. It's so bad. If it were only five nominees, uh, please also keep in mind that we're talking about if it were only five nominees in 2011, because the director of one of these movies is Persona Non Grata. If it were only five nominees, The Artist, The Help, Hugo, Midnight in Paris, and my outlier here, The Tree of Life. Tree of Life did not get a lot of total noms that year, but... They did it in 1998 with the Thin Red Line. The Tree of Life did win the Palme d'Or, so I do think it would get the fifth slot. Oh man, we got. Uh, I I think I think you're right, and I, I went with different choices though. Okay, oh, man, I'd really love with my heart in this one. I <laughs> went the Descendants, Midnight in Paris, Moneyball, Tree of Life, and the Artist. And looking at it now, I just don't think that that's probably accurate. I think you're right. I think the help would definitely be in there. The help was such a thing. It was such, such a, a thing. huge thing. All right. And then keep in mind the most nominated film of the year, and that was Hugo. Yeah. Hugo got nominated for a shitload of Oscars. Oh, yeah. Hugo got a shit ton. Yeah. I'll take out Moneyball and put in the help. Ugh, I know. I, f I feel your pain. I know. It's a, it's a bummer. It's a bummer. Moneyball's such a good movie. I guess you gotta get got put Hugo in there, and I would take out. I would take out. I, I think I have to take out the Descendants because yeah, because I yeah. think Midnight in Paris was a, what Midnight in Paris is a that was a big front runner. People talk about that movie a lot. Yeah. So okay. So now that you reorganized it, what do you have? Hugo, Midnight in Paris, The Help, Tree of Life, and The Artist. Oh, so we match now. We perfectly match. Okay. Yep. yep. I think I think you're 100 percent right. I don't. Well. The one that I'm could be very off on is The Tree of Life, because that just got three nominations total, including this Best Picture nominee. But that's one. It was my real like outlier. I'm like, I don't know, maybe. But The Descendants got more noms. War Horse got more nominations. We got a lot. <laughs> yeah. Six. Well, here, this is the interesting thing, though, about that movie. And, and again, as we look at what's still talked about to this day, Tree of Life is regarded. This in is my first note. Yes. And and it, and of course, 
that movie is not for everybody. Revered as that movie is, it's also hated a lot because of its abstractness. Sure. So, but to be said, like, that is a movie that has stood the test of time over the course of these years. I have a note here. Totally agree. My note was that of all these nominees, I, I don't think I'm being biased about this. I really try not to be. But I feel like The Tree of Life and Moneyball are the only movies that people talk about, that I see people talking about yeah. like in mass. That may not have been the case in 2011, but it's just it's a really sad year because even though because we are not, you know, writing in our own nominees, that would be just way too confusing and too much work. We're going with what they gave us and then we're whittling what they gave us down to five. But because we're not going with, we're not writing in our our own nominees, like the five movies we listed, they're just not, it's not a good representation of the year as it were. Like there's no shame here. We're shame everyone. No, of course that wouldn't Oh, Jesus. I know. Of course it wouldn't (laughs) As we arrive... At what I think should have won Best Picture, if I think the nominees were The Artist, The Help, Hugo, Midnight in Paris, and The Tree of Life, uh, I'm sad to say it makes sense that they went with The Artist based on what was nominated. They were never, ever, ever going to to give something like The Tree of Life Best Picture. Midnight in Paris was not going to be a Best Picture contender. Hugo is just kind of a kid's movie, and I and I don't think they would have ever gone there, even though it got the most nominations. So The Artist is a love letter to cinema back when they loved that. They don't really like that as much anymore. Well, it's like a kind love letter. Babylon's like a love letter and a middle finger, and they don't like the middle finger part so much. Yeah. So th- all a long way of saying that The Artist winning actually makes sense, and I think that with these nominees, it makes sense that they went with that. I'm not happy about it. No one talks about this movie. I knew no one was going to be talking about this movie the, t- the first moment I saw it. I seen it once in theaters. Perfectly fine movie. It's nice. It's like gentle. This is not one that has a lot of cultural relevance, I would say. You know what? I'm going to, because I'm already all over the map on this year, <laughs> I'm just going to play devil's advocate but oh, in go support for of this conversation. I'm going to go with the help mm. because I okay. think that. If it was, because I think you're 100% right. If you're looking at, if those are the five nominees, I they're not going to give it to Tree of Life, even though now, as we're talking, that movie is talked about a lot. They're not going to give it to Midnight in Paris. They're not going to give it to Hugo or this. The Help is a movie that I think is still talked about today. And I think if you're looking at the two between the artist and the help, just for the sake of debate, I'll go with the help for this one. Yeah, that's. I think that movie's talked about a lot. I see it in controversy a lot of the time, but well, it is. Yeah, it yeah. was a big deal in 2011. Um, we talked about very recently that Viola Davis was really the front runner and not a lock, but close to being a lock for best actress. And then Meryl Streep, good old Meryl Streep, swung in there for the Iron Lady, and it's like, oh, that's strange. But all right, here here's a question. Yes. We know that the artist did win. Yes. And we know how we feel about that now. Like, who's talking about the artist? What if the help did win? Mm-hmm. What would we be saying about that now if that was the case? It's it's a very interesting conversation because our, I mean, the academy and culture writ large has changed a lot as it relates to yes. race. And I find now that that film is not remembered well at all. I've even heard yeah. Viola Davis say it's a big regret of her career just because she didn't think the movie was executed well and she felt that it focused on the wrong characters. I personally was never a fan of the movie, but you know, it's just my opinion, who cares? I don't know. It would have been 
there, there would have been a lot of people complaining. We'll put it that way. A lot of people yeah. up in arms and complaining. I wouldn't have been because I don't the artist versus the help. I'm kind of blase on both. Like I don't I don't really care either yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But yeah. it would have been an interesting conversation for where the academy was in terms of diversity and stuff. Yeah. What the hell? 2012. Oh man, what a, <laughs> this is crazy. <laughs> 2012. Is the winner was the improbable winner was Argo. Fellow nominees. Fuck yourself. Amour, <laughs> Beasts of the Southern Wild, Django Unchained, Les Miserables, Life of Pi, Lincoln, Silver Linings Playbook, Zero Dark Thirty. I'm not a fan of a lot of these nominees, so it was tough to whittle this down to five, but I'm actually doing what you did in 2010. I'm doing this twice in this podcast episode. I do not think Argo would have been nominated for Best Picture. I truly do not think if it was five nominees. I think Ben Affleck wouldn't have gotten director, and I do not think Argo would have been nominated for Picture. I don't. The same- You don't? No, not necessarily. I mean, the movie got seven nominations total. There were four movies above it. I I don't know. I don't- it, but it's tough. So then what replaces it? So I think Les Mis, unfortunately, Les Mis, Life of Pi, Lincoln, and Silver Linings Playbook, I think those four are in. So then what does the fifth spot go to? Does it go to Amour, which in the past, they weren't very keen on nominating a foreign language film for Best Picture. It happens all the time now because there's 10 nominees. But also with that diversity in the Academy, that just that wasn't just about racial diversity. They added so many more international people, people like Jonathan Glazer. This is why Jonathan Glazer is nominated this year. This is why Justin Trier is nominated this year, because they added so many more international people to the director's branch. So I don't know if that would have happened with a more, is it Django Unchained? It's kind of hard to turn your back on Quentin Tarantino. His movies get nominated for picture a lot. So that's what I put. Django would be the fifth spot. All right. So I got in here Argo, Django Unchained, Lincoln, Life of Pi, and Zero Dark Thirty. So no Les Mis, no, Les no Mis. Silver Linings. No Silver Linings. But if I had to take one out, if I, oh, fuck. Like, it would either, if Les Mis would go in there probably, in, I guess if I was picking it over Django. Yeah. A weird thing to think about. But I, I do think Argo would have made it into that best picture. I, I did not expect it to win. Yeah, same. And that and that what it wasn't my pick to even though I had it nominated, it's not what I what I have. But yeah, what a weird year. Well, it's a weird year because we're talking about cultural relevancy. Like I don't need to go off on my Silver Linings playbook stance again, but a lot of people do not talk about these movies. But if you look below at other movies that were nominated, people I do think Flight gets discussed a lot. Denzel was nominated for actor. The Master gets discussed a lot. That wasn't nominated for picture. Zero Dark Thirty is here. It was in the nominees. Skyfall gets talked about a lot. That's not in the Best Picture nominees. So I just don't think a lot of people are talking about Life of Pi. No. I don't think a lot of people are talking about Beasts of the Southern Wild. They're they're not. No. And both those movies they're are They're not fine. even talking about Les Mis. They are not. No. If anything, Les Mis gets made fun of because of Russell Crowe. That's the most that I hear about that movie now. Yeah. I yeah I was not a fan of that. I saw it once. I was not a fan. Um, I do think Silver Linings Playbook was more of a thing than Zero Dark Thirty, which is why I think... And Silver Linings was uh, Weinstein vehicle, so he's really hard to 
count out. Also, Zero Dark Thirty, that was the most controversial movie of the year and of the Oscar season. Catherine Bigelow kind of got put into director's jail about it because people were really, really, really upset of the depiction of torture in that movie. And I, I get I, I had this argument in 2012. I will always maintain this argument. She's not depicting stuff that did not happen. Everything that she's depicting happened. If you don't want to, you know, buy a ticket and see it, I totally get that. But I, yeah, th- I thought that controversy was a bit ridiculous, but it was, it was a very controversial film, even in 2012. So I don't, I think that may have blocked it. And then that leaves us with like, just some really like milk toast batch of movies, like Life of Pi, Lincoln. Keep in mind, I don't think Argo would have been nominated. So what the hell wins best picture then? I mean, <laughs> they're not going to give it to Django. Come on. They're not going to give it to, is it Silver Linings? So I think that gets in. Ang Lee, one director for Life of Pi. Does it get in? Does Lincoln get in? Because it's safe. I don't, I honestly, because I don't think Argo would get nominated. I don't know what I think was second place this year. Because Argo did win, right? So what do we actually yeah. think in yeah. real life what came do we in second actually... place? I bet Silver Linings Playbook did. I bet that came in second. <sighs> in the I don't, so well, that's what I think anyway, but I, I don't know. Well, what'd you put for winner? Did you put Argo? Because it did win? No. <laughs> no, I didn't. I, I put zero dark 30. Wow. But I I think I am also once again looking at it through the lens of time. I, I think I know what you're doing here. You're doing like what would have been like the best decision for the Academy to make. The movie that has the like most yeah. staying power. I get that. What I'm kind of doing is what I think would have made most sense to the academy at the time. in all of their quote unquote infinite wisdom at the time. Yes. Yeah, so it's just two different approaches. That's fine though. It allows us to have slightly different conversations, which I like. Cause I think, I honestly think if, if Argo was not nominated, they probably would have gone with life of Pi or Lincoln. I think that's what they would have done because those both won major Oscars, like Lincoln, one actor, life of Pi, one director, life of Pi actually still with the, in real life, won the most Oscars. It won four that year. Argo won three. I don't know. So maybe it would have been Life of Pi. But I do think absolutely culturally the best winner they could have done was Zero Dark Thirty. I totally agree. Yeah. And I think you're right about Silver Linings may have been that second choice, though, because that movie was huge. It was huge. It was a a real big thing. And it's crazy that I don't have man. This is a tough one to kind of like lay all that out for all those reasons. Yeah. Yeah, and I'll, I'll and because we'll never have to worry about actually going back and changing this, I'm just going to stick with my answer on this because I like it. I don't know what 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 do people think about that movie now? Zero Dark Thirty. I think it's talked about in a better light now than it oh, was much. back then. Because I remember all that yeah. controversy. Yeah, the controversy I think has died down a lot because like we we just know more about what actually went on there. There have been so many documentaries. The veterans themselves have talked about it. Like we know the type of shit that was going on and that yeah that i yeah i think it's remembered much better now and actually that it's, movie really holds up like that that gets put oh, on it a really lot does Allie really loves it she was like holy fuck because it cooks it absolutely cooks and that still might be my favorite i don't damn it i don't remember what we said i remember you said what you said in the chastain episode that the one she won her I'm oscar bring for was up. your favorite I, did I say Zero Dark Thirty? I honestly don't remember, but it's it still is right up there. If I didn't say that, then it's it's one or two. And I and and her performance got 
so uh, criticized at the time of being so like yep. flat and emotionless. And I oh. was like, no, 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 no. There's so much. I totally understand this person. I absolutely get this person. This person can't reveal aspects about their humanity at work. She's a she's a spy for the CIA. Like, yeah. I, oh god, I loved it. I think it's it's a side of her we have rarely seen before or since. I love that movie. Yep. Maybe that's my post-show love movie. It. I usually put on a movie after uh, we record here. I see you getting all fired up over there. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> fired up for some torture. No, that's rude. But you know what I mean. I mean, it's, <laughs> that movie's fucking nuts. The beginning of that movie's tough. Jason Clark, he's the main, like, torturer, you know? Yeah, the main torturer, yeah. You can answer any way you like. What, what would you pick for the winner then? Oh, you put Zero Dark Thirty. Yeah, okay. uh, yeah I'm, I'm picking Zero Dark Thirty and I'm going to stick with it because um, it, it also would have been a very cool ballsy move of the Academy at that time to yeah. do. Yeah. And I think that would have been a good call, even though I did enjoy Argo. <laughs> I did enjoy that movie. I don't know about the best pictures part. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was that was a surprise then. I That happened because he did not get nominated for director. And I thought, I thought maybe A Star is Born in 2018 would have the same fate. An actor who, yep. you know, he wasn't nominated for director, but it didn't go that way. And then that, will that happen this year? I don't think it's going to happen. But I do think that boosts Barbie's chances for adapted screenplay. Not in picture. I don't think Barbie's going to win picture. But her not being in there for director, I think people are like, we need to give her an Oscar for this movie. The only other way to do that is in adapted screenplay. This 2013, we switch gears. Yep. The winner was 12 Years a Slave, its fellow nominees, American Hustle, Captain Phillips, Dallas Buyers Club, Gravity, Her, Nebraska, Philomena, The Wolf of Wall Street. What I think would have been nominated, I put 12 Years a Slave, American Hustle, Dallas Buyers Club, Gravity, and my kind of outlier here was The Wolf of Wall Street. Not sure about that one, but just like it's hard to count Spielberg out, it's hard to count Tarantino out, it's hard to count Scorsese out from a Best Picture race, but those are my five. What did you have? I'm changing one because you've made me think. I'll allow it. I went with what I think would have been nominated, 12 Years a Slave, Her, The Wolf of Wall Street, Dallas Buyers Club, and Gravity. Okay, so you swapped out her for American Hustle. Yes. Make the case, and then I'll make my case, my very unfortunate case. All right, all right. So my case for her over American Hustle, her was one of those indie movies that came out that everyone thought was so original, and it and you know you had like that best uh, actor in Joaquin Phoenix type thing going on. There was the, uh, the original writing of it and all that. So I guess basically my long-winded way of saying is I think the originality of her uh, would have been put into that best picture category over the stereotypical American Hustle Oscar stuff. Well, I, I guess I because I, Wolf of Wall Street is the, is the risk one to put in there. So I think if you, yeah, I... So, okay, here's what's crazy about this. I think even if you switch her and Dallas Buyers Club, that's a little more believable because, like, Joaquin Phoenix was not nominated for her. He no, was not nominated for Best Actor. It did win yeah. Best Original Screenplay, which is great. The most nominated film of 2013 is American Hustle. It got more nominees than <sighs> Gravity. And that, to me, it was crazy because this is the thing that happens with the Academy sometimes, and it may happen this year. They do this very odd thing where they will nominate one movie for 10 Oscars and give it nothing. 
happened here. It didn't win a single thing. Yep. Gangs in New York, The Irishman, Will That Happen with Killers of the Flower Moon. It's happened to more directors than Scorsese and David O. Russell, but it has happened. It's like a thing, and it's weird when it happens. But either way, we we agree that 12 Years a Slave would be nominated, which I definitely think is true, and Gravity. But I don't know. Her was definitely like... Well, no, Dallas Buyers Club. I was going to say her was the indie movie that could that year, but it was Dallas Buyers Club. Yeah. That movie was such a thing. And I, man, I do not think, I didn't like that movie at the time, though, but I don't think that has aged well, really at all. I think you're right. I think I got to get American Hustle in there. So I think I'll, I'll take out her. And I think if I'm looking at that time, it would have been 12 Years a Slave, American Hustle, Wolf of Wall Street, Dallas Buyers Club, and Gravity. And then... Yeah, this is kind of. Well, I'm sweating now. This is this is what I'm saying. And what's what's interesting is that neither of us have Captain Phillips, but that actually got nominated for six yep. awards. Like that got nominated for more awards than her, than the Wolf of Wall Street. Pretty decent year in terms of even the ones we're excluding. That's that's kind of interesting. I still think I thought then and think now that Twelve Years a Slave was a great choice to win Best Picture. I that's what I have. It's a phenomenal feat of filmmaking. It really is. I really thought it was a wise decision. I would have loved, loved knowing that he won again in 2018. Alfonso Cuaron did. I would have loved if Steve McQueen actually won Best Director this year, but it was always going to be Cuaron's for Gravity. And that's well-deserved. Gravity is also an extreme, an extremely impressive cinematic feat. Yes, it is. Yep. Very cool. All right. Next year, we talked about 2014 a lot on the old pod here on What Are You Watching? Birdman wins. It's fellow nominees, American Sniper, Boyhood, The Grand Budapest Hotel, The Imitation Game, Selma, The Theory of Everything, Whiplash. Wow, there's some questionable films on there. If there's a- <laughs> if it was only five nominees, I think we're looking at American Sniper, Birdman, Boyhood, Grand Budapest Hotel, and The Imitation Game. Let me make the case for the imitation game really quick. Talk about a movie no one talks about at all. This movie got eight Oscar nominations and one adapted screenplay. And the only reason that happened is because it was distributed by Harvey Weinstein. I really think that it was truly baffling that, I I mean, that's the influence he had. He would get actors nominated. He would get writers Oscars. He, He did the same thing for Goodwill Hunting, a movie we all like. Like, he did it for that, too, and he was doing it, you know, for stuff like The Imitation Game, but... This was a tough one for me because I'm like, I didn't even put the imitation game because I saw that once in the theater and I'm like, you know, there there goes that. But yeah, it was it, it was a thing. The biggest, the most nominated films in order, Birdman, Grand Budapest Hotel, Imitation Game, American Sniper, Boyhood. I don't even know what I was thinking when I did this now that you put it <laughs> in perspective like this, but this is what I had. Oh, Christ. <laughs> I had, no, it was exactly similar to you. American Sniper, Boyhood. Birdman, the Grand Budapest Hotel, and I had Whiplash, and then I had Whiplash win. Whiplash win? No, that that would have never. That okay, that is something we would have no, liked to happen, but that would have never. never happened. Getting that a best no picture it, nomination, putting it in is like that indie fifth slot. It's not out of the question. If they were going to so get that's cute what this that year, is. it's yep. not out of the question. The movie won Oscars. Yep. It won, I believe it won three. I want to try to guess without looking them up. It was nominated yeah. for five. I believe it won supporting actor, editing, 
and it's got to yeah. be one of the sounds. Sounder, uh, you know. I think me, it's got to be the sound, yeah. Yeah, and that could have happened. I also could have seen um, the theory of everything replace something, replace Imitation Game or American Sniper. I guess in a perfect world, I would have had Whiplash be in there. And then, yeah, me picking that as the win is completely me <laughs> looking at it with the lens we have now. Because that movie is revered now. Everyone, no one stops talking about how good Whiplash is. We we have a lot that are revered. Let's just look at our top five that would have been. It's true. It's a good year. Uh, some people may not like American Sniper because of its politics or whatever. Uh, people talk about that movie. That movie was a fucking hit when they do. it came out. Birdman, people yes, still talk was. about that. Boyhood, The Grand Budapest Hotel. It was it was yep. a good year. Now we get to have the Birdman versus Boyhood, you know, conversation again. My in my perfect world, in my absolute perfect world, I would have had Birdman win picture. That's what I think should have won. It did, yep. and then I would have had Richard Linklater win director because Inuritu I is going to win the, a one the next year, and that's great. But yeah, I really, really that would have been my perfect world. Perfect. I completely agree with with that. I think. Do you still think Whiplash would should have won? No, no, no. I, I I go with Birdman. People are lucky um, we're not doing director yeah. or actor. I might be a it, little meaner on here. Remember actor two thousand fourteen? Jesus Christ! Fucking Eddie Redmayne. Uh, oh, Eddie Redmayne. Oh, it burns me. It burns uh -huh. me. He got verbed. The way uh, that he, the way that Eddie Redmayne ran that campaign. His last name is verbed in Hollywood of getting redmained, meaning that you, they are running their Oscar campaign so aggressively that they are calling writers, you know, like uh, Hollywood reporter writers, variety writers. They're calling publicists. They are calling. They're going to every single event and just hoping to chip away one vote at a time to get it. And that is what he did. Hey, he won. And he got it. Whatever. <laughs> Tough year coming up. In 2015, we had our eventual winner, Spotlight. Nominees, The Big Short, Bridge of Spies, Brooklyn, Mad Max, Fury Road, The Martian, The Revenant, Room. Not the easiest to whittle down to five for me. Here's what I had. Bridge of Spies, Mad Max, Fury Road, The Martian, The Revenant, Spotlight. I don't know, though. No one talks about Bridge of Spies. But it got nominated for six Oscars. I think Mad Max Fury Road, The Martian, The Revenant, and Spotlight are actually all in. But I, even Spotlight, like, wasn't, I don't know. Spotlight got as many noms as Carol did total. But, like, I don't know. I would have nominated Carol over Spotlight. What do you have, though? What do you have? Then we'll get into it. So uh, th this was one where I really actually, I, I think I thought a lot more like how you're thinking. Okay. So I had Spotlight, The Big Short. Mad Max Fury Road, The Revenant, and uh, uh, maybe I don't because I think Bridge of Spies would probably be what the Academy would pick. But I actually threw in Room mm -hmm. as that outlier of that indie because so I mean, but you got I don't know. Have we never have we ever have we done this yet? No, no I was just gonna. Oh boy, is this is this the time we we did it we did it ages ago and I cut it I cut it. Ah, oh, you cut it. Yeah. Um, <sighs> is this the forum? Maybe I built it up already too much. Maybe we have to. So we, if we're going to do it, let's just <laughs> fucking do it and rip the Band-Aid off and do it. All right, folks. This is going right, to be really it. triggering for a lot of people listening. <laughs> this could potentially cancel. What are you watching? Episode you watching? 120 podcast. So here's the thing, guys. Everyone listening. 
I'm going to say something, and we're going to say something, <laughs> and I'm not trying to upset anyone. I'm really, really not. Um, th- this happens as a lifelong lover of movies. Sometimes there is a movie that comes out that everyone and their mom and their dad seemingly just love, and they fucking love this to the end of time. Yep. And I can't even say that these movies are bad. I actually cannot say no. that because that wouldn't be accurate as a film fan. Lord of the Rings, Return of the King, all Lord of the Rings movies are not for me. I saw them each once in the theater, but I, I'm not like, how the hell did that third one win all those Oscars? I totally understand how it won the Oscars. It's a technical achievement. I get it. it this is all by way of saying that the film Mad Max Fury Road is not for me in any capacity, and it never will be. Don't me neither. <laughs> and very, very oddly, you agree. This is actually... Yep. The biggest movie that you and I agree on where Commonly. we have a disparity with the masses. We are in such <laughs> yes. the minority about it that I'm just here to tell you, like, I was there. I was there opening weekend, <laughs> sold out with people cheering in the theater. And when I tell you that I did not have the slightest idea what was going on, just none. And I was looking around I, like, did everyone in here collectively, like, take drugs, like, all together before we started? Because you're having an experience that I have no idea what's going on with all of you. I, I, I just, I did not get it. I walked out completely baffled. It was the only movie in LA that people talked about that summer. Like, it was everywhere. Oh. And I'm, I just had to shut, I just had to be quiet about it. I wasn't going around being like, that movie sucks, That's, that movie's garbage. I just stopped, like, bringing it up. And when people would ask me about it, I would usually say like, oh, yeah, it wasn't really for me because I so uh, so that was 2015. I, I've tried. I, I have tried. I have. Too. I tried after COVID hit in 2020 and I found it uh, again. Please don't cancel us. I found it unfinishable. I turned it off <laughs> and I, I went uh, th- th- I am so bored. That if if you think I'm doing a bit, I'm not. I'm not. I I don't like this movie. And then I tried when you brought it up. You recommended Mad Max Two, I think, as a what are you yes. watching? And then Road you went Warrior. on a very yes. long rant about Fury Road, and I was like, that's ah, a little too. That was like really early in our podcast run here, so I cut it. But uh, yeah, that that is the biggest movie kind of disparity in my life with people that that is the movie that i do not get that is not for me that you all love more than anything everybody people, people understand me about the lord of the rings stuff they're like all right yeah you didn't read the books yeah it's yeah, fantasy. yeah like i get it i get it mad max fury road i i've tried a total of three times and i've i the the third time it, i think it was wasn't last year it must have been 2022 and I, w- I was annoyed that I hadn't finished it in 2020. So I'm like, just sh- shut up, sit down and watch it and like pay attention, put the phone away. I did. And I was uh, genuinely bored to tears. And Dan, friend of the pod, Dan loves this movie and adores it. And yeah. I remember texting him going, but the first time you watched it, were you able to track everything? And he's like, well, no, no one can. And I go, uh, okay. And I don't even need a movie to carry me like that. I don't need to be able to track everything. I just, I don't, man. And those, a lot of the the women like that are chained up. Riley Keough's there. Like, I like everyone in yeah. the movie. I think oh, it's impressively done. I, it won six yeah, Oscars. Oh, yeah, I, I get it. George it's, Miller, it's so great that he came back to do this. As far as it goes in the history of cinema, like, I'm for it. Steven Soderbergh loves this movie. Like, every living director loves this movie. It just ain't for me. And it's never going to be. That's it. I'm done.
I don't think it's like a a poorly made piece of business. Mm -mm, mm -mm. No, I think that on the technical level of all of this and that, I mean, it's impressive, but I just don't like it. That's <laughs> just mm -mm. really what it comes down to. I remember seeing it in the theaters. It was one of those moments where I walked out and everyone is just out of the theater. It's just like, just completely going ape shit for it and i go i must have yeah. missed something i must have like i i i think i i maybe was i was i like bored like i i gotta see it again so i went and i saw it a second time oh in theaters, my God. and i saw it a second Ugh. time and i just go all right no it's this i no i just i'm this this is a no for me and especially because i'm such a fan of the original mad max movies and particularly the second one my argument that I always say, but I don't ever bring this up because I don't want to piss people off. Because when you tell someone that you don't like Mad Max Fury Road, uh, you you you've instigated something. You have now they, entered they into a world me, of pain. They look at me and they're like, <laughs> "How the fuck can you call yourself a movie fan when you don't like that movie?" Yes, I go they insult that. I I don't I don't know what to tell you. Just it's just not for me. And I can name you a thousand movies that I love that if you watched. You would be aghast <laughs> that any human being alive <laughs> likes them. And you would look at me and go, how the hell could you he like that movie? I don't know. We're all different. I've been called a cinematic idiot <laughs> because I don't like this movie. This is what it's like every year. I, I still sometimes, and it doesn't come up much, but everything everywhere. Some people will be like, oh, what, oh, what are I you? Know uh, it, yeah, yep. yeah. Like, what are you, a contrarian for not liking that? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Do you want to go? Do you I, want I, to go I in on this? I can go in on it if you want, but there's no, I, you know, I, I don't prefer to do that. I don't want to like shit on these movies over and over and over movies that aren't for me because it's not fair. Yeah. And that's all we're doing. We're again, we're not saying that this is a bad movie because no. like, I, I mean, technically speaking, it, it is a huge marvel. It's just that for whatever reason, this just did not work for us. And but I think in your argument of everything everywhere, there is a giant group of people that don't like that movie. Too. That's true. Yeah. But it does seem like we are on an island with this Mad Max Fury Road business. I don't know if I've ever met someone else who like just doesn't like Fury Road like we do. And I'm like, I, I'm i serious. No. I just don't like it. It's it's to the point where I you and I have been out publicly mm -hmm. and talking with people and Mad Max Fear Road comes up and they are just gushing over it. And you and I just bite our tongues. Yeah. Oh, because yeah. we're like, ah, and yeah, 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 Mad we've, Max. We've totally, given each totally. other like looks and we're like, all right, just yep. this, this will all be over soon. Just let it ride. Just, yep, just be cool. Ride. Just be cool. <laughs> you know what? But not being sarcastic. This is my choice to win Best Picture this year. I'm dead serious. Oh, dude. This I think is it would have been. Um, okay. I think it would have been I, amazing if they did this. I think. Okay, let, to back up a little bit, if I did take Best Director away from Inuritu in 2014 for Birdman, I still got to have him winning one, so I do want him to win Director here as he went on to do. But if if he won in 2014 and then they gave the 2015 Best Director to George Miller, I would have been thrilled for that I don't because I like Oscar history. I like that stuff. I would yeah. have loved – that's the movie that won the most awards. Fury Road won six. The Revenant won three. Spotlight won two. So that's it. Spotlight just one picture and screenplay. So I put right here that even though this movie isn't for me, I still would have loved out of all these movies, I would have loved the most if Fury Road won. Everyone else liked it. I can acknowledge that and I can acknowledge how it just would have been like such a great, crazy thing for the Academy. Spotlight was one where I'm like, Spotlight's a very well-intentioned movie. It's about a very difficult subject, but it's that movie's not for me. I don't, it's just not. 
I don't think there's anything. I, I don't know. I was really surprised when it when it won and when it seemed like it was going that way. And then there really wasn't much competition because they weren't going to give the Revenant best picture. I was like, is it going to be Spotlight? And then it was. It, it's just kind of a shrug. At least Fury Road would have been exciting. The movie's not for me, but that would have been an exciting as all hell win. I think this is a, a situation where we have reversed roles a bit. Because yeah. I think if you were to look back and look in the lens of time, I think Mad Max is your winner. I think that's the one mm-hmm. where it's, you look back and you're like, oh, yeah, I mean, because that's a movie that is adored and still talked about. I actually picked Spotlight oh. uh, for the time period because it was the safe choice to make. That's and it. It was it, safe. I mean, That's the word to it, use. Yep. That's what it was. Doesn't mean it was bad. It just means it was safe. Yeah. No, I, I have no problem with Spotlight. Um, I but I think in looking at it like that, that was the movie because the Academy loves when they can touch on a subject, um, but maybe not necessarily go in on an, on it in the way where it might need to be gone mm-hmm. in on uh, for the sake of real change and like having film actually be a medium to invoke real change or perspective shifts. I don't necessarily know if Spotlight hits that mark. Yeah, yeah. It was a thing and it was safe. And I think anything else would have been, would have shaken things up a little bit. That's also just the the year that, remember when they... It's so it's so mean. Go watch the supporting actor winner for this year. Oh wait, I'm miss, I'm burying the lead. This is the first Oscars we watched together. This is the first time we watched the Oscars together in my little apartment when we were editing. There we I did go. watch we this. Did. That's we were right. Editing, there I go. Oh, we yes. watched this, and we've watched every single Oscars together since, except the since? next one because although we were like virtually watching them together, but yes, yeah. this is the first one we watched. And remember when Mark Rylance won supporting actor because we thought it was going to be Sylvester Stallone for Creed, but the the way the person reads it, I don't remember. Oh, I think it's uh, it might be Patricia Arquette because she won supporting actress the year before, but it's Mark. R- and if you look, Mark Ruffalo is nominated. So for like a millisecond, yeah. you think it's going to be him, and it's not. It was just that's not the mean part. The mean part was to invite Sylvester Stallone and not give it to him. It's like I love that. <laughs> I love that. Mark Rylance oh. gets up there. Uh, 2015. Yeah, interesting. Interesting year. I should say that, you know, historically things are starting to change within the Academy because every acting nominee in 2014 was white. So that prompts the Oscar so white hashtag, which immediately has them change, has them change the amount of people that they invite to be a part of the Academy. 2016, we have the eventual winner, Moonlight. Its fellow nominees, Arrival, Fences, Hacksaw Ridge. I can't believe that Hacksaw Ridge. (laughs) (laughs) Hell or High Water, Hidden Figures, La La Land, Lion, Manchester by the Sea. If it were only five nominees, I think we would have had, this is tough, Arrival, Hacksaw Ridge, La La Land, Manchester by the Sea, and Moonlight. All right. We have a, we're, we're, we're one off. Okay. We usually are. Yep. I have Arrival. La La Land, Moonlight, Manchester by the Sea, and Fences. No, Mel. Wow, he got rid of Mel. No, I, I, you know, I, yeah, I know. No, I'm laughing because <laughs> they, they nominated him for director this year. This is like, 
a, a while after all the Mel controversy. I just don't understand this academy sometimes. I don't understand when they do this shit. Like, at the, I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, I think the that place I had... I had hidden figures or fences taking up the fifth spot there. So I, yeah, I don't know. Would Arrival get in? Would Hacksaw Ridge? I don't know. But we do agree on La La Land, Moonlight, and Manchester by the Sea. Now the big question here. This is a tough one. What is our pick to win Best Picture? The Moonlight win was... I mean, come on. If we take away Envelope Gate, if Bonnie and Clyde up there just said Moonlight, as was intended, that would have been... A huge, huge shock. Like it, it was, it was ruminating. The whole Oscar campaign, the whole Oscar season was La La Land versus Moonlight, even though Damien Chazelle yep. and Barry Jenkins are friends and they're like, what the, who cares about this stuff? They're like literally saying that on at every award show, like, hey man, how's it going? Like, it's all, you know, it's all good. Obviously, Envelope Gate happens. If that hadn't happened, this just would have been a really, truly stunning win where people are like, oh my God. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think La La Land's a better movie. I've always said that. I would have loved if that won Best Picture. I think that would have been great. But you're not going to hear any argument from me that Moonlight won. Moonlight winning was a huge advance, not only for racial diversity within the Academy and an acceptance of it, but also independent filmmaking. That movie cost $1.5 million. That's yep. crazy. That is crazy that it actually won Best Picture. But yeah, I, you know... La La Land <laughs> for me. <laughs> I don't know what to say. You know, th- this is a this is a crazy one because um, I I think you and I have talked about this enough. I I was a, I liked Moonlight a lot more than than you did. Mm-hmm. I actually uh, I I picked La La Land for this. Oh wow! Oh wow! Because again, I I'm still looking at it through the time thing, and now now we're closing in on things too. Like we're less than ten years removed from. Yes, this we're now. getting closer and closer. So, so the, this idea of time separation is getting harder. I would say it's getting harder, and so uh, it's going to become less and less of that. But you know, I I'm looking at it, and I'm like, you know. And especially if you're looking at the Oscars, it checks all the Oscar boxes for what things that they like. And it yep. is a movie that is still talked about and revered where, but I love that Moonlight won for all the reasons that you just said, because this was a giant shift in the in the direction that we need to be going. And, you know, Oscars have like done this thing where I start to notice, like, as we go forward, we're going to see this more and more. It's like these steps forward and then steps back. Yes. And steps yes. forward and oh, steps yes. back. Oh, yes. And it's still happening. And um, so it's just sort of like, all right, guys, like like you, you make one really ballsy move and and it's like, oh, OK, OK, we, we went we went there. We went there. But, you know, next year, let's let's hone it back in. Yeah. You get scared and retreat. Yep. Yep, and so I think that is an absolute case of what happens in the next year. Exactly. Um, exactly. And then, oof, what a what a what a thing in the next one. But um, if you were to ask someone who won, I mean, no, Envelope Gates fucked it all up because yep. everyone's yep. confused. Like, if you <laughs> so ask true. the average person who won between Moonlight and La La Land, I guarantee you they're going to say La La Land. Oh, yeah, they absolutely do. It. Oh, yeah. Oh, and, yeah. And it and it, it's just one of those things where it's just it's just kind of a reality. Um, but, yeah, I would go with La La Land, but I'm glad Moonlight is the one that won it. Yeah. And two years in a row, Light is uh, is in, yep. the, in the title. Spotlight. Of, uh, you know, so how about that? Spot and Moon. Spot and Moon. <laughs> there it is. Wow. What do you think of that, Hoss? You fucking got a hold of that one. <laughs> 
<laughs> this next year is tough, actually. This it, it is because all right, 2017, The Shape of Water wins. It's a movie that got nominated for the most Oscars by far. Thirteen. The runner-up was eight. Nothing else was really in competition to win picture or director. Some of the acting categories were up in the air, but The Shape of Water just like won everything. Its fellow nominees were Call Me by Your Name, Darkest Hour, Dunkirk, which is the one that got eight nominees, Get Out, Lady Bird, Phantom Thread, The Post, and three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. If it were only five nominees, I think we'd have Dunkirk, Get Out, Lady Bird, The Shape of Water, and three billboards. I I I am revising as I'm going here. <laughs> I have Dunkirk, Get Out, The Shape of Water, Call Me by Your Name, and three billboards I'm putting in there. Call Me by Your Name and Get Out both got four nominees each, and they both went on to win screenplay awards. So that's a perfect switch. That that works. That's a good switch. Because I originally had Phantom Thread in there, but then I was like, that's me with my heart right there. So I that's not going to work. And Three Billboards was a giant contender. Oh, that was a huge movie. Yeah. It was a huge yeah. movie. Um, I originally didn't have that in there. So to win this is tough because I love Guillermo del Toro. To win this is actually very tough. I, yeah. I mean, I, I love all of his movies, but I saw, I've seen this movie once and I liked it. I liked that it was an ode to like Douglas Sirk. I liked that it was weirder than shit. I love what Sally Hawkins did with it. I thought it was so strange. I'm like, this is the movie that's going to win Best Picture given all the, you know, relations that go on in it. Wow. This is, <laughs> this is wild. Mm-mm-mm. So it's not like it's a safe movie. Like it, there, it yeah. has scenes that go there, but. I don't hear anyone talking about this movie, like, at all. Uh-huh. I never hear this yeah. brought up. The movies that people talk about, I would have loved if Dunkirk won Best Picture. That would have been great. It was still it was still too early. It was the first time Nolan got nominated for director, but I, I just don't think it would have happened. The biggest movie from this year is Get Out. It is the one that people talk Get about Out, the yeah. most. Should that have won Best yep. Picture? That would have done so much more for the Academy, I think, even than Moonlight did. Like, I think it would have been... A huge thing, but you know, it, horror movies don't win Best Picture often, if at all. So it's, I don't really think it had a chance. It won original screenplay. That was a huge deal. It was so cool that that happened. That was like really the crowning achievement of that movie. So it's hard for me to say like what the Academy should have done here for Best Picture because The Shape of Water is a decent film that like steamrolled everything, but I think I'd probably go with Get Out. I think that would have had the most cultural significance if they did that. What says you? I agree. I was going to say, don't disagree with me because I make great points. No, I mean, I mean, I think that, but that is the point. That is the point. So get out. Yeah, you give it to get out. It's yeah, weird because I've, I've talked about that. I'm not, you know, I appreciate the movie. I respect it. I'm not, I don't think it was the best movie made that year and that's fine, but I do. Yeah, it would have been awesome if the Academy did that. All right. So yeah. So you're saying what should have won? <sighs> It makes sense that Shape of Water won. This was not baffling to anyone. It still makes yeah, sense. Yeah. I'm glad that, that Guillermo del Toro has a Best Director Oscar and directed a Best Picture winner. That's awesome. That it's You're not yep. going to hear any complaints from me. But because no one talks about this anymore, yeah, people still talk about Dunkirk. People still talk about Get Out. People still talk about Lady Bird. A lot of the people still talk about Phantom Thread a lot, but I don't even think that would have been nominated. But no. you want people to actually talk about the Oscars while the campaigning is going on and after they take place, award something like Get Out. And then a lot of people are going to be talking about them. No one was talking about how cool it was that The Shape of Water won Best Picture. That's all. 
I agree. I yep, I'm go, I'm I'm agreeing. I'm agreeing. I can't I can't keep agreeing more. <laughs> well, this one's tough. 2018's <laughs> tough because we're talking oh, about this is a we're oh, talking about you know one step forward or th- three steps forward with Moonlight, and then we get six steps back with the eventual eventual winner Green Book. Uh, okay, <laughs> fellow nominees: Black Panther, Black Klansman, Bohemian Rhapsody, The Favorite, Roma, A Star Is Born, and Vice. I think our five nominees would have been Bohemian Rhapsody, Green Book, The Favorite, Roma, and A Star Is Born. And I don't know. Those are I. I don't know. It's tough. It's tough. I. I don't know. I don't know. This one. This one's tough. Vice, for instance, got more nominees than Green. Got more nominations than Green Book. I'm going crazy on this one. I don't Do know. It. I want to hear it. I got A Star Is Born, Black Panther, Bohemian Rhapsody, The Favorite, and Roma. I like it. I like it much better. So you, yeah, you just took out Green Book for Black Panther. I love this because Green yep, Book so is the probable winner. So for you, it's like, no, wouldn't even be nominated. It Black wouldn't Panther even be was nominated. a huge thing. It was a huge thing that it, yeah, you know, that is one where I do think the up to 10 nominations helped that get in, but maybe you're right. Maybe it just would have been time to nominate the superhero movie and they just would have done it. You may be onto something that Green Book wouldn't have even been nominated here. I might be able to get on board with that. I don't. Th- this it, was one that took on kind of a life after the nominations happened. After the nominations happened, people are like, oh, wow, yep. are we going to play it safe and go with Green Book? And that is what happened. And that's what happened. And I mean, I just remember the the cultural just complete love for Black Panther. Yep. And yep. and for like the black community. Like it, it, it was it was an important movie. It and, was. And, and, yes. and, and more so than just being the comic book movie. But also kind of serving that field too because we're this is 2018 we are in the throes of like marvel superhero movies being the biggest movies of the year all the time i think it's about time that that like it, there was some representation for that even though those movies aren't necessarily for me mm-hmm. i mean what are we going to do can we can, uh, can you really ignore it anymore and then on top of that you've got the cultural significance so I think Black Panther's got to be in there. And uh, as a matter of fact, it's my winner. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. Big pivot. I act, This was a hard one to come up with a winner for. So because yes, I'm not sure Black Panther would even get in there. I actually had winning this. Hear me out. Here's my, here's my theory, my take. For the first time in Oscar history, I could have seen Roma winning here. And, and that this, would have been yes. the first time a foreign language film won, which in real life was done the next year. But if they did that with Roma, because Caron won director, and so they did yep. it then, then maybe they get that out of their system so that the best picture next year goes a different way. That's in my perfect world. And Roma was not even in my top 10 of that year. So this is not one where I'm like, Roma's a masterpiece. It should have won. That's just one where oh, I think yeah. it would have been a smart move for the Academy. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, again, like I, I'm not a fan of the superhero genre. So Black Panther right, right. certainly wouldn't be my pick. But Roma was my if I if I'm not going in the direction that I'm going with with Black Panther and just like going all in on that, then Roma would be my second one. Um, d- looking at the list of the movies here that that the Oscars actually would have gone with mm-hmm. for these reasons. Yeah. What do you think? of it? What do you think about that? Well, <laughs> in reality, the most awarded film of that evening with four Oscar wins, was none other than Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> yeah. 
Best yeah. editing winner. Oh my god. Uh, the sound. Oh Christ. 2019. Tough year. Ish. Bittersweet year. Parasite wins. It's the first foreign language film to ever win Best Picture. It's fellow nominees. Ford vs. Ferrari. The Irishman. Jojo Rabbit. Joker. Little Women. Marriage Story. 1917. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. If it was five nominees, I think it'd be The Irishman, Joker, 1917, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Parasite. And what I want to say about that is I'm not head over heels in love with all of those movies, but I actually like all of those movies. And that's probably the first time today where all the probable Best Picture nominees, I'm like, I can get on board with those. And that just shows you what good of a year it was. What a good year 2019 was. Oh, absolutely. Uh, we have one difference in there. Oh, okay. Let's do it. And I and I don't uh, it'll be an interesting one to debate which one should have been, because I think I know where you're going, because one was um, had way more nominations. Parasite, The Irishman, 1917, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And I had Ford versus Ferrari in there. I, I thought you would exclude Joker. Joker was that was the thing that got the most nominations in real life. That it was, got 11. It was the most nominations. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, and yep, that yep. was a so, I remember even I was surprised by that. So I do think. For a nomination, I think it's in. I think I think you're right. So I think I gotta take out Ford versus Ferrari and get the Joker in there. But crazy. But and and honestly, this way the race looks so much cleaner when it's just five nominees. Just looks better when you oh, have yeah. these like outliers out there where people are like head scratching, like I got nominated. Not gonna name names, but yeah, yeah. Parasite. We're back to our Birdman thing. Where a movie wins picture, director, screenplay, and I'm like, all right, does it need all three of those? In addition, Parasite also won international feature film. I just don't need it to win all four of those, especially when it was up against Quentin Tarantino slash Once Upon a Time in Hollywood for three of those. So if they want to give Bong Joon-ho director, I'm okay with that, but I want Once Upon a Time in Hollywood to win picture. Talk about a love letter to that city. And what he did with the end and how he turned it into a fantasy as opposed to a nightmare. Yeah, I just I really, really wish that would have won. And I do think it kind of broke him a little bit. I think that night broke him that he didn't win anything that I mean, it walked away with, you know, it got production design, supporting actor. That's great. But the fact that he didn't get screenplay or director, I think I do. I think it kind of crushed him a little bit. I've heard him talk about it in the subtext between what he's saying is that he really did not have a good time at all on that campaign tour because Parasite was just cleaning house with everything. Yep. I, I'm the same way. Yeah. Exact yeah. same way. I agree. You oh, might say. Goddamn right. <laughs> this next year, God, we have a hell of a time. Jesus. Well, the world changes. Everything goes to shit. Ooh. And the Oscars Man, along with you. it. This is this is tough. This is like even if it were only five nominees, this reads like a fucking joke. Like the, uh, dude, these next few uh, years are I like the the shift is just the the next three years are terrible. 2020, 2021, and 2022. The only Oscars that we've covered since we've had this podcast. <laughs> yes. Things have finally changed with 2023, thank God. But yeah, this is going to be, it's, this is a tough time. All right. <laughs> this is a tough time. Um, yeah, get into it, man. Get into it. The winner is Nomadland. The nominees were The Father, Judas and the Black Messiah, Mank, Minari, Promising Young Woman, Sound of Metal, and The Trial of the Chicago Seven. Very few of these movies are still talked about to this day. 
if it were only five nominees, I guess I would have gone with The Father, Mank, Minari, Nomadland, and The Trial of the Chicago Seven. But it's a little tough to pick those. What did you have? Oh, fuck. You know, I have to. Mm. <laughs> oh, f- shit, dude. Ah, uh, fuck. What, 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 <laughs> what do I think that they would have gone with? Just to nominate. Yeah. What do you to, think they would have nominated? I have to, I, yeah. All right. I have to take out my favorite movie that of that year and replace it with another one. All right. I'm going to go with Judas and the Black Messiah. Okay. Mank. Minari, Trial of the Chicago Seven, and Nomadland as what I think the nominees. Yeah, so we just switched. only five. Yeah, we just switched Father and Minari. Oh, so you took out Sound of Metal? I took out Sound of Metal. And that, 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 that's, that's, oh, that's the one that that was my favorite. But I I replaced that with Minari because I think, I think that's how that would have went. Minari was a thing and she won Supporting Actress. And it's like, no one, no one talks about that movie. No, you know. Whatever. This is a tough. It's a tough year for me. It's always. It's always going to be a tough year. I give it to Mank. I would have loved if they gave Best Picture to Mank. That would that, been great. That's that's what I picked. That's yeah. what I picked. I mean, looking at what you got here, it was well done. It's safe. It's uh. It's uh. You know, but I see why. I mean, I just I'm just not the biggest fan of it. But I see why Nomadland won. It was like the great equalizer. Like we're all. We're all alone in this together. Like I, I don't know the cultural. There's no, you know, we're all stuck inside, and then it's a movie about a woman. Like yeah, I get it. I get why it happened culturally, but yeah, I get it. Yeah, I just yeah, I, I we understood what was happening when it was happening. I I don't. I've seen Nomadland once. I've never had a conversation with anyone about that movie other than you. Like, what'd you think of it? My dad, you know, what'd you think of it? That was it. Like after the, I, I yeah. just don't. I, I don't know. It whatever though. Whatever it won. It's a thing. Mank, I just think that would have been fun. This this came down to on the night it was Nomadland versus the Trial of the Chicago Seven, and nobody talks about that movie anymore. So yeah, that, that was what a weird year. God, I would have taken that movie over over Nomadland. Same, on, on same personal level. <laughs> same. Uh, <laughs> it's the, this is the second time I've done this. Because Argo was the first, though you kind of convinced me with Green Book. But in 2021, the eventual winner was Coda. And I am certain that movie would have not been nominated for Best Picture. I am certain if it was only five nominees, it wouldn't have been, it would not have been nominated. And I know that because no one was talking about it. And then after that thing got nominated, it was just this quiet little thing that like brewed up and then it ended up winning. Its fellow nominees were Belfast, Don't Look Up, Drive My Car, Dune. King Richard, Licorice Pizza, Nightmare Alley, The Power of the Dog, and West Side Story. If it was only five nominees, Belfast, Drive My Car, that's the asterisk, Drive My Car, Dune, Power of the Dog, and West Side Story. Dune, Power of the Dog, and West Side Story are in, but yeah, what'd you have? I had the exact same, exact same. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah, Drive My Car was really like, that That thing, that became a movie of the year, and he got the director nomination, and it's actually a really good movie. And yeah, this director's branch is, there's only 500 people in the director's branch. Maybe I should have mentioned this earlier. And directors nominate directors to be nominated. So this is why like Greta Gerwig doesn't get nominated, but two foreign directors do, like Jonathan Glazer, and because it's, it's 500 directors, and it's a very, very culturally diverse group of people from all different countries. It's not 500 Americans. So 
I, yeah, that's why I think driving my car could have also been elevated to the best picture category. Yeah, I mean, this is a crazy year because without Coda, it's like what wins? Even without Coda, you know, tw- 2021 is a really good, it's such a good Oscar season to like watch historically because we all know what happened that night. And we all know how one of the biggest movie stars in the world completely torpedoed his career because of yeah. a joke and then a slap. That that happened live in front of all of us. But I'm not trying to put too fine of a point on this. And I've talked about this a lot. Jane Campion completely ruined that film's Oscar chances leading up to it because she did a little bit of what Robert Downey Jr. I, I think he's backing away from it now, but a little bit of what he was doing. And she was accepting awards being like, it's about goddamn time. I deserve this. My film deserves this. What's going on? That's the subtext of it. Until she gets on stage at the Critics' Choice Award and, and just has uh, truly one of the most disastrous speeches I've ever seen. In it's, which she is wild. It, it I, I've never seen really anything like it. In which she just like shits on the other nominees who are right there. The cameras cutting to people, and they're like, "What's going on?" You can hear one person laughing really loudly, and that's clearly like a person probably her publicist like at her table and with that speech she went on to win best director they still gave her that in real life but i think that movie was primed to win a lot more and people were like you know what screw this we'll give you your oscar that's fine but we're done with this stuff so you can't go out there being like i i it's about time i deserve all this you can't you can't be doing that stuff you got to have a little humility so i i don't think Power of the Dog would have won picture. That was a long explanation. And I think what should have, I mean, I would have loved if they gave it to Dune. Dune ended up winning the that, most of the night. That Yeah, Dune, that's what I had. That's the one, man. I'm telling you, like, like the, the like we're in that era now where, like, these are the movies. Like, if you're talking about movie theater viewership, yeah. I think this is just the direction where movies are going. And I think... Whether we like it or not, we have to start leaning into this. Mm-hmm. And again, it's sort of the same, it exact same thing because you you bring it back to Lord of the Rings back in 2003. That was one step in that direction. Same thing with Moonlight. That's one step in that direction. I think it's just time that we have to lean into all this. Lean into the movies that are what people want to see and what are actually making waves in cultural significance. And um, so I think I think Dune is your absolutely should have won because it it was a really well done movie and it was something that everyone went to go see. Everyone talked about and no one argues with it. Right. And uh, also just painting painting some historical Oscar context. How many people in that year when the nominations were announced, how many people had ever heard of Rusuke Yamaguchi? Not many, but a lot of people have heard of Denny Villeneuve. Denny Villeneuve was not nominated for Best Director. Mm -hmm. This stuff happens. I thought it was crazy that he didn't get in there for Best Director, but this happens. So don't think that this Credit Gerwig thing is like some big, huge shocker. This shit happens every year in one fashion or another every year. But we agree. We agree it should have been Dune. Damn right. It It should have been Dune. I said that on on mic leading up to that race. I was like, they should give it to Dune. They should do that. Who the fuck talks about Coda? Who the fuck talks about Coda? Dude, no the, one talks okay. about that movie. That I wasn't going to say it. That were, uh, I'm saying it. Of the movies that were listed that actually got nominated. All right, no one talks about Belfast. Fine. Drive My Car, Doom, uh, King Richard, I guess. <laughs> Licorice Pizza. St- I, you, people talk about it. 
Nightmare Alley, people talk about it. Power of the Dog, I guess. West Side Story, I guess. It, it, no one talks about Coda. I, no one is ever going to talk no about No one's that ever going to talk about that movie. I, 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 I can't with that movie. I just can't. It just, it just, it really, really, really gets me. And I don't think it's a bad movie. No, that's the one more so than Argo that I truly do not believe would have been nominated. And that is the one where I'm like, like it's crazy. Wow. I mean, Ar- Gr- Argo is like, huh? Green Book is like, huh? But I still get it. I Dakota thing never understood. No, it, never just, understood. Uh, all right. Here we go. Your favorite the, it, fucking year. I, I actually, I think this is, I, I, I like this year, though. I think, I think this year is a good batch. Yeah, no shit. Well, no, I mean the one coming yes. up. Yes, no, no, no. I fucking hated last year. I know I you did, year. but there's some, there's, there, there is some, there's some crazy stuff in here that's fun to kind of get into. I actively dislike most of these movies, but here, let's get into it. Okay, I was being nice last year. Oh, I know. <laughs> all right, 2022, <laughs> the eventual winner, everything, everywhere, all at once. It's fellow nominees. This is the long title movie year. All Quiet on the Western Front. Avatar The Way of Water, The Banshees of Inisherin, Elvis, The Fablemans, Tar, Top Gun Maverick, Triangle of Sadness, Women Talking. I really, really love one of those movies. That's it. Yeah. I like another one. I respect the spectacle of two more. That's it. Well, okay, let me do my five nominees and you tell me which ones you like. What I think probably should have been nominated, All Quiet, Banshees. Elvis, Everything Everywhere, and The Fablemans. And that to me is a very boring group of nominees. All right. I I, I went in a very different direction. I think you'll like my nominees. Okay, give more. it to me. Uh, I probably will. You better be able to sell them. I do. I got all quiet. Oh, sorry. It's yeah, I, I meant uh women are talking. <laughs> my mistake. Oh yes. I'm sorry, Mar- Mr. Wahlberg. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. How hard is it to read? Teleprompter. How hard is it to read? It's two words. Women talking. That's it. And that extra and that extra word really changes everything. Uh, anyway, okay, your five nominees. Very different. Let's go. All Quiet in the Western Front. Top Gun 2 Maverick. Everything Everywhere All at Once. Avatar 2 and Tar. Wow, very different. I could hear you on Tar and even Maverick. Avatar to me really felt like an up to 10 nominee. That and even Maverick kind of felt like, hey, we're getting in the big ones because no one's going to watch our show if we don't nominate Avatar. I don't think they have a chance to win necessarily. But hey, that's fair. Whatever. I love I-, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Because this is last year, we are now a- we are not in the time section anymore. We can't. Correct. What I like about my list of nominees is that I think this is like you're talking about how I feel about Dune being should have won. You've got the two movies that everyone went and saw. You have yeah, Top yeah. Gun, a- Avatar 2, and Everything Everywhere All at Once because all everyone went and saw that movie. Mm-hmm. And then you get the crazy ass, like really intense foreign film, All Quiet on the Western Front, that was probably – the most well done movie of the whole entire year. Yeah, I like that movie. And then you just throw in that one indie that's just crazy weird, but in tar. Like you could, I, I could, I, I would have put Triangle of Sadness in there if it wasn't for All Quiet. But like, I don't know. I, I geek out on tar because like that would have been like that one outlier that would have been. Oh in there. yeah, we certainly wouldn't have won. But you have that, 
And that's a cool batch of movies. It's a cool, eclectic batch. It is. It's way cooler, way cooler than mine. I don't have any outliers. Mine is very boring. Mine is actually the movies that got nominated for the most Oscars. The yes. five movies. And yes, that, the five. It is boring. Like, I would love to... I would love to throw in Triangle of Sadness, you know, the foreign thing. The, I mean, he's a foreign director. It's not a foreign film necessarily. But for what I had here, this is this is what's crazy. For what should have won, because I have All Quiet, of my nominees, All Quiet, Banshees, Elvis, Everything Everywhere, and The Fablemans. It, this is exactly like 2011. I wouldn't have picked the artist to win. I would not have picked Everything Everywhere to win. But when I break it down like that, it makes sense that it won. Yeah. They weren't going to give it to Banshees. Banshees didn't win Oscars. Like they're they're not going to give it to Elvis. El- thank God. Oh. Everything everywhere was it, it it was its night. And I get why it won. And I always say, even though that movie is not for me, and it's never gonna be, that, that is a supremely fucking weird movie. So <laughs> yeah. cool. Go for it. Give yeah. it best picture. I'm I'm here for it. Moonlight is not my favorite movie of 2016. But because it's so small and it was legitimately yes. made independently, good, go for it. Fury Road, not my favorite movie of 2015. I would have loved it that one. So while I did not agree with most of the winners last year, it's like, I don't know. Historically for the Oscars, I did think it was a good thing. It was better than them going like, let's give it to the biopic. Let's give it to Elvis. Let's give it to the touching family drama, drama The Fablemans, a movie that I really did not think worked. I didn't like that movie. So yeah, I mean, I get it. I get it. Whatever. Well, what what would you want to win that year, Nick? Well, I mean, I picked everything everywhere all at once for these <laughs> I know, reasons. I know. For these reasons. But uh, yes, I agree. I think it, I think it is this step in that direction of like, all right, what's it, I think it's a step in the right direction. Whereas Coda, like in the year before, because you could say that same thing. Good for a movie like Coda, like this, like indie movie to come out of nowhere. And I like that it won because of that reason. It's just everything everywhere all at once makes sense in exactly what we're talking about. Coda doesn't really make sense into what we're talking about. No, because while Coda was like had independent sensibilities, it was purchased at Sundance by Apple. And then you have the Apple juggernaut just throwing everything behind it. Clearly, after nominations going, let's throw uh, legitimately hundreds of millions of dollars to get this best, best picture win. And it works. Yeah. And, and, and it I mean, that's and the way the game is played. So, OK. Yeah. I, I hope that's all corrected. Not all corrected. I just hope, you know, give me one this year. I've never had one. All right, I very rarely give me one. Just give me one. A one oh, for Hoss, me. You're getting We do not have a winner. We do not have a winner it. yet, but our nominees for 2023 are American Fiction, Anatomy of a Fall, Barbie, The Holdovers, Killers of the Flower Moon, Maestro, Oppenheimer, Past Lives, Poor Things, The Zone of Interest. That is all told compared to all the other lists I've said today. That's one of the favorite batch of nominees I've read so far today. It's actually a strong group of movies. I, I like a lot of these movies. If it were only five, I think we're looking at Anatomy of a Fall, Barbie, Killers of the Flower Moon, Oppenheimer, Poor Things. So what I got here is I got Oppenheimer, Poor Things, Barbie, Killers of the Flower Moon, I just because this seems to me more like what the Academy would put in there. I put the holdovers in place of anatomy of a fall. Yeah, sure. Sure. Yeah. Anatomy of a fall just seems like, no, I, it's like doing it. Like, I think that should be like, in there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I got you. I got yeah. you. But what would, yeah. Yeah. Um, killers of the flower moon has 10 nominations. Will it win any? I, I, it's starting to look like, I don't know. I, it feels like 
even since nomination time, people, when I was talking about like, should Lily Gladstone be supporting, I was just like spitballing. I hadn't heard anyone talk about that. Everyone's talking about that. A lot of people think she should be in supporting. That does not bode well for her chances. So we're, we're going to see. I mean, I just didn't think we'd be talking that Emma Stone might win her second Best Actress Oscar in not that many years. And I'm just totally here for it. <laughs> and I love Bro, she's really gonna, in that movie. She's I, astounding in Poor Things. I'm just going to say it. I have never been more confident going into an Oscar season as to what I am certain is going to win than oh, this really? year. Wise ass. I'm calling really? it. Who's winning yes. Best Actor? Who's winning Best Actor? Mr. Certainty. Who are the nominees? <laughs> you know the not. It doesn't matter who the nominees yeah. are. It's come down. It comes down to two people. And you oh know yeah, that. no, yeah, that one's that one's real that's scary. It. I don't know about that one. I don't know about that that's one. That's Murphy or Giamatti. All right, yeah, since you know that, everything, that's, that's that's very scary. So M- okay, so Emma Stone is all right. Who's winning? Oh, no, see, some of these are easy. Well, we have this. We have this. We have a whole episode. We do. Coming up we do. We do. We do. You, you know. You know what that episode is. No, that's not, that's not the coveted one. The coveted one is our oh, recap episode. We do. We have our uh, our breakdown. All right, fine. I'll save it. I'll save it. You're right. We've been here long save enough. Save it. We've kept people. I'm going to leave enough. with the confidence. What's going to win in 2023? What should <laughs> win Best Picture? Daddy. Daddy. Oppenheimer. <laughs> Fucking right. <it> should. <laughs> oh, let it should happen. and will. Oh, let it happen. Nolan Oppenheimer. I, I feel I feel good right now. Every, everything feels good. I feel good. Everyone's playing the game well. I feel good. I feel good. That was fun. We're going to move on to what are you watching, but any final thoughts? Oh, this is a good idea on your part. The one thing that we didn't do is we didn't go down the list of all of these movies and actually just pick our personal favorites. Would that be fun to do or would that just be too much? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. If Okay. Yeah. Let's start at 2009 if we would have picked the winners. Just with our hearts. This just is all us. with our hearts. Just with our just hearts. Us. All right, cool. Yes. And I'm I'm not uh yeah, like time has something to do with this. I'm it, this I am gonna say though, this is not gonna be based on what my favorite movie of the year is. It's cool if you do that. I do hold some Oscar lore into it, so I still like to put Oscar history. But yeah, let's do it. No, 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 no. Yeah, you just have to pick of the nominees. Your your personal yeah, yes, favorite. yes, of the yeah, nominees, yeah. right. But like for 2009, I like Inglorious Bastards more, but I still would have picked the Hurt Locker to win picture because I think it was good that that won. That's all I'm saying. So that's my choice. Yeah, yeah, win. yeah. I, and that I'm agreeing in Hurt Locker. 2010, uh, The Social Network. Social Network. Yep. Even though Inception is one of my uh, all time favorites. Oh, yeah. Oh, yep. so, okay. So you would go with Social Network. Yeah. So, see, this yeah, is what I'm talking about. You're separating. Yeah, I, I'm yeah. picking it, but it would be my favorite. 2011, Tree of Life. Tree of Life. Yes. Even though Midnight in Paris would probably be my my personal favorite. You can do it. You can say whatever you want. All right, fuck it. Midnight in Paris. Let's go. <laughs> 2012, Zero Dark Thirty. Zero Dark Thirty. Wow, we're very, we're very in step here. This is tough. 2013, this my favorite one, yeah. film of that of the nominees is The Wolf of Wall Street, but I like the 12 Years of Slave One, so I'll go with that. I like Nebraska. Really? <laughs> I love that fucking movie. Hey, if we're just going with our favorite of the list, Go, I'm going with Nebraska. Could, this is dealer's <laughs> choice. You can pick anything you want. 2014, provided, prov- well, if I'm, if I'm not allowed to literally change any other nominee than I'd want, or any other winner, then I would want Boyhood to win this. But if Richard Linklater could have won director, I'm fine with Birdman winning. But if all the winners, all the other winners have to stay the same, then I guess I'm picking Boyhood to win because I wanted it to win a major Oscar other than supporting actress. 
Yes, I completely agree. All right. That's that's that that's how that one's going. 2015. I This is a no-brainer. No, for me it's The Revenant. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, The Revenant. Yeah. Okay, yeah. okay. Yeah. I, I thought you were going to say uh double down on Fury Road. No. Can't switch 16 horses is, like that. Two, <laughs> 2016 is La La Land to me. It's my Oh, pick. this is such a hard one because it is. this it's has, a hard one. This has a Hey, a a verified Nick Dostal, what are you watching? No perfect award right here. We all know which one it is. It's hell or high water. But then it's also got Manchester by the Sea, which is the my funniest movie, movie ever made. Yep, it's yep. my comfort movie. Oh, what do I do? All right. All right. My favorite. My favorite. It's Manchester by the Sea. Go for it. Yes. Yes. So, okay. Real quick, people. You know why Envelope Gate happened, right? Have I explained this? You know what happened? The one dude who was responsible for handing them the correct envelope was taking a selfie with Emma Stone while she was like backstage, not like a purposeful selfie. He's like way in the foreground and she's way in the background. And he messed up and accidentally passed off a duplicate best actress envelope. If they would have accidentally passed off a duplicate best actor envelope, then they would have read the winner as Manchester by the Sea. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. With the, with the Jimmy Kimmel, Matt Damon stuff, because, you know, Matt Damon, like, produced Manchester by the Sea with their, like, fake funny beef. That would, they would have, everyone thought that was staged. Everyone would have thought that was staged. Can you imagine if they were like, Manchester by the Sea wins? <laughs> it would have been so <laughs> fucking funny. Okay. That's hilarious. Manchester for you, La La Land for me, 2017. My beloved of the actual nominees, my beloved Phantom Thread. God, I would have loved to one best picture. Yep, oh. same here. Same. Really? Here. Wow. Oh yeah. Love it. Yep. Yep. Hundred percent. Um, 2018. Oh, no Stars Born. Bring it on, baby. Oh, a thousand Absolutely. percent. Stars Born. Absolutely. Ah. Oh. Uh, 2019. Once upon a time in Hollywood. Second favorite yeah. movie of all time, baby. Goddamn right. Oh. 2020. Mank. Uh, Sound of Metal. Yeah, that's fair. That's yep. fair. I yep. get it. Yep. 2021. The most offensive movie ever made. Licorice Pizza. <laughs> yes licorice pizza 100 percent. Right. yes i can love that movie ready for a rewatch 2022 i want to say triangle of sadness because that's my favorite of the nominees i don't think that i had a chance at winning so i, I don't really know what to go with here i i guess that that, that would have been in my purpose yeah that, no because that's, that's you, not you really like that realistic movie. i do i love that movie or tar i would have loved no it's not about what it's your yeah, favorite okay, triangle of sadness then i love that movie you do. I bought the Criterion, and there's no special features on it, but it looks so good. Oh, my God, it looks great. And then I'm going with Everything Everywhere, uh, everything everywhere All at Once with a very, very close Top Gun Maverick, because that movie is just oh. fucking awesome. 2023, <laughs> Oppenheimer all the way. Oppenheimer. All right, that was fun. Good idea. Good idea. Let's move on to WAYW. I'm doing my thing where I'm going to list more than one movie today. I'm going to oh. give people some multiple wrecks. Don't scoff. These are good wrecks. I bet they are. Would you like to go first? <laughs> sure. I'll go first so we give you, you your recommend list. the Eras tour again, which you did I know, for I, the I, second I, time. You've done that listen, twice. <laughs> yes, I know. And it's <laughs> worth it. It's worth it. <laughs> All right. You can't do that again, but you can do anything you'd like. I'm going with a I'm just going with a movie that it piggybacks off of our last conversation of our top 10 of 2023. Okay. 
Um, and it's a movie that uh, I've just seen in theaters that I really recommend it, and that is Godzilla minus one. But yes, I guess technically it would be Godzilla minus color is what they're calling it. Godzilla minus one minus color. Yeah, the black and white version, which at least around yep. here came and went. They gave it to us for a whopping seven days. Thank you, Washington, D.C. metropolitan area. I barely got I saw it on the last showtime on Thursday. Oh, and I was shit. like, I got I got to go to see this. I liked it. I just I liked it so much better in black and white. I thought it was awesome. I, I it made my top ten, so I really liked it before. But his eyes, Godzilla's eyes, popped so much better in black and white. They were fucking oh, terrifying. That's cool. But yeah, yeah. Because yeah, I noticed that. Well, yeah, because like I didn't see it in color, so I'm only going right, in it right. on the black and white. So, but I noticed the eyes, and I go, "Oh my god!" Yeah. Like it, it, there are some truly, truly like breathtaking and terrifying images. Of just like if 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 you just like took a snapshot of like a the screenshot of some of those, it's uh it definitely is effective. I liked it a lot. Didn't make my top ten. If I had to revise, I would still keep mine as the way that it is. But um, really really liked it and highly recommend it. If if it's still in theaters, yeah, seriously. I mean, it it's nominated for best visual effects. It has a good chance at winning. And people, this movie costs fifteen million dollars. That's it. Like, uh, that's not a lot of money. The Killer by David Fincher, the reported budget is $175 million. That's <laughs> Netflix has given Fincher these fucking massive checks to go make these movies with for no, like, no awards attention, no nothing. Like, all I'm saying is $15 million is not a lot of money. Uh, period, let alone period. pull off the feats that they did, the visual feats. Yeah. Like it looks, and the, the visual effects look better in black and white. It was more forgiving of them. It just, it looked great. Oh, that's awesome. I'm so glad you liked it. Yeah, I am. I'm going to go through a few today. Some have been mentioned, but I, uh, th- these are wildly different genres. These are all things I have been watching, but this is what we're doing in 2024. I'm, my recommendation, it's, it's a literal piggyback off yours. It is also a bit of an amendment to my top 10, although you didn't amend your top 10. If I did do it, I would definitely bump the zone of interest higher than number 10. I saw the movie again. I'm in the middle of reading the book. I'm fairly certain the only thing the film has in common with the book is the title. It is nothing like the movie at all. That's fine. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's, it's, it's completely different. What Glazer has done is stripped it down and made an art installation out of the book. but um. I just misjudged it the first time I saw it. I did the classic thing that we talk about not doing all the time, which is went in with an idea of what it was, was completely and utterly baffled by the direction he went in, but then that staying power and it never leaving my head and then seeing it a second time. And I was clearly in there with people who had not seen it. I'm just telling you, like, this is not a spoiler, but what he does in the last uh, five minutes is like, it, you are pro- you have to process it in real time. And this movie's PG-13. I'm not talking about violent shit. I'm not talking about shocking violence. That's not what I'm talking about. It, you have to process it, and then you hear different pockets of the theater going, oh, my God, is it? And then you're like, can, can you do this in a movie? Like, is it, huh? Fascinating. Fascinating. I saw it at Al- I have to see it. I have to see I it. I saw it at Alamo. It was a weird thing where I was a half hour early and they opened their theaters a half hour before. They spent 30 minutes showing Jonathan Glazer music videos. It was awesome. It was so cool. I was like, oh my God, these are all the videos he's done. I love that. So I'm really like putting my weight behind that. I think it's going to win international feature film. 
all of the performances vibrate on the same wavelength of ambient malevolence. Oh, damn. I wish that was my sentence, but it's not. It's a fella named Adam Naiman who writes for The Ringer and other publications. He's a, Tor- he's a Toronto-based critic. I hear him on a few podcasts. He has a way with words that are astounding. That was beautiful. And he's mean. He's not a nice critic. He's, he's, uh, he calls himself mean, and he's not forgiving. So if he puts his way behind something, you're like, uh, his article on this opened up the movie for me. Don't read the article if you haven't seen the movie yet, but you know, it's an intense subject and there are just some things going on right now. So like uh, a lot of people are watching Glazer's movies, Criterion put up Sexy Beast and Birth. Birth is a pretty hard movie to find. I had to rent it on YouTube two weeks ago. And then of course, Criterion just put it up. Thank you. I always love when that happens. Way better movie than I remembered. Very good, disturbing movie. Have you seen that one? Nicole no, Kidman. I've never seen that. One. Wow, yeah. dude. Fucking Lauren Bacall shows up. She kills it. Arliss Howard, oh, our guy shit. from The Killer. Lauren Bacall is great. It, um, Danny Houston. It's a great film. It's very, very bizarre. So I just wanted to mention those. I also, you know, I'm I'm taking it down a little bit. After Zone of Interest, I rewatched um Alain Renee's Night and Fog, which is a Holocaust documentary from 1956. It's 30 minutes long. Uh I've seen it three times in my life. It's it's very easy to find. It's on Criterion HBO. It's images, and you will never forget watching that movie. But because the zone of interest shows you nothing because it's PG-13, I it, yeah, I just needed that perspective. And I was like, fuck, this is why I've only seen this three times in my life. But, you know, uh, Francois Truffaut called it his favorite movie. He said it was the most important movie ever made, Night and Fog. Wow. So go check that out. It's, you know, it's images of what went on there. And that was the first time people were seeing it. And you're, he's cross-cutting it with present day, which is to say 1956, Auschwitz, the site of it, where it's gorgeous blue skies and bright green grass, and oh, it's just man. gorgeous. And then, boom, he cuts into a picture of what was there 10 years ago, 13 years oh. ago. And there- That sounds- It's tough. It's tough. Wildly. And like, it sounds tough, but it also kind of- It's, that it's necessary. I, I'm, I'm getting goosebumps thinking about yeah. just like that, that whole juxtaposition of just this life that we have. You will see things in that documentary that you you just can't believe human beings were capable of that. What did they, you know? Yeah. But th- there's a scene in the zone of interest when someone is uh, fertilizing a garden. And I go, wow, that looks like ashes. Like, that doesn't make any sense. And they're not explaining anything in zone of interest. Then I put on night and fog, and I was reminded that that's what they did with the bones. They ground them up and tried to turn them into fertilizer. Didn't work as fertilizer, but yeah, it's, uh, you know. We brought the podcast down a little bit, but it's necessary viewing. It's tough. It's tough, but necessary. All right, let's try to try to bring it up with a fucking double murder. Yeah. Uh, I watched some of the best live action short nominees. The After is on Netflix. It stars David Aiello. Sorry if I'm pronouncing that wrong. It's good. It's short. Uh, it does not fuck around. It goes there. I thought it might be veering a little too much towards sentiment, but I was here for it. Night of Fortune is a short on YouTube. It's also nominated, and it's about two guys kind of uh, meeting each other in a morgue and coming to under coming to an understanding and helping each other out. I like those both better than the wonderful story of Henry Sugar, directed by Wes Anderson, which is on Netflix. I imagine that will win, but I don't know. I get it. I get it. Who knows? If they're all if they're all being on Netflix, I think they all kind of have a chance. Yeah. It. Yeah. It's just that. Wes Anderson's the biggest name, and I fear yeah, that they'll yeah. do that, which is fine. 
The Great Santini. I had never seen The Great Santini. It is never available on streaming. It popped up on Tubi. We just talked about it because our beloved Michael O'Keefe, who stars as Barry in Michael Clayton, he got nominated for being in The Great Santini. It's about um, Robert Duvall is this military captain who's like retired and he's this huge kind of alpha male blowhard. And Michael O'Keefe plays his son and they have this kind of iconic scene where they play a game of you know, backyard basketball, just a pickup game in the backyard over the garage type deal. And it gets really, really intense. But he was great to see, you know, Snooty Barry as this young kid playing basketball. It was fun. So that's on Tubi. It's never available anywhere. A lot of people think it's Duvall's best role. So check that out if you want. Oh, shit. We got a nuclear war double feature. Yeah. (laughs) Threads. I've always wanted to see Threads. Threads is this notorious movie that so many people talk about from 1984, directed by Mick Jackson. This thing hits harder than most studio movies, and it is a fucking made-for-TV movie. Very Come and See vibes. If you've seen Come and See, which was made the year later, you know. The movie's about if uh, America and Russia got into a nuclear war and the effect that has on just this one working class city in England. It's like terrifying. It's fantastic. Mick Jackson, what a career. Listen to this shit. He makes Threads. Then he makes L.A. Story, The Bodyguard, Clean Slate with Dana Carvey. Oh, my God. Volcano, Tommy Lee Jones, Tuesdays with Maury, Temple Grandin. That's crazy. That's the most eclectic body of work (laughs) I've ever What a career. And I like those movies. Yeah, I like those. Followed with Panic in Year Zero, the Ray Milland directed film. He also stars in it. I love Ray Milland. He gives an Oscar winning performance in Billy Wilder's The Lost Weekend from 1945. Panic in Year Zero was one of the five movies he directed. Did not have a lot of money, but it's basically this family going on. You know, they live in L.A. and they pack up the trailer. They're just going to go for like a weekend vacation in the woods and kind of, you know, just away from L.A. And on their way, L.A. gets nuked like over and over. So what do you do? Do you you realize that almost every single thing that you've been listing has somewhat to do with basically like death? Like what? Well, well, not just death, but death in like a genocide. Yes, like a a, a mass. Because even Oppenheimer is all about like this mass. You know, like sure. I'm not doing so it. On I'm, just, I'm just pointing out a pattern. Just all pointing right, out a pattern. I'm telling people what I watch. This is all related. It's exactly. I see Zone of interest. What you're living right Zone now. of interest leads me to Night and Fog. Zone of interest also leads me to Birth. The best live action movies. Grant Santini isn't about genocide. It might be about emotional genocide. <laughs> Threads, great film, great film. Check it out. Panic in Year Zero actually gets dark. It kind of goes there. I found that on Criterion. You can find it on YouTube. Threads is on Criterion. It's on Tubi. My last one. No one's going to expect me to talk about this. Right before we recorded, I put on a notorious anime movie called Perfect Blue, Whoa. made in 1997. I've been recommended this a lot. It's only 80 minutes long. It's available a lot of places. Found it on Amazon Prime. Really glad I watched it. It there's so much uh, Michael Henneke stuff in here. His like prevalence of surveillance in his movies, huge influence on Darren Aronofsky. Uh, the scene of Jennifer Connelly screaming in the bathtub that's directly taken from Perfect Blue. There's a lot of Black Swan in here too. There is a ton of Vox Lux, the Natalie Portman movie. Ooh. So the movie's about like a star, a pop star trying to become an actress and. They keep doing this really, really cool thing, not unlike King of Comedy, where you will be watching a scene of her, and it's a really intense scene, 
and then it'll cut out to like a director's monitor. And you're like, oh, I was just watching a scene of her as an actress. I didn't, I didn't realize that. And they keep doing that to where you don't know if you're watching clips from stuff she's in or like the actual movie. Re- really cool. I'm, I'm glad I watched cool. it. It's been recommended to me over and over. Anime is not my thing. And I'm like, you know what? You're, you're not distracted. Just like it's 80 minutes. Put the phone away. Let's do it. And I'm glad I did it. There's a I have to I, I I have to ask my mom, but she actually had an anime movie to recommend to you. Well, see, I was because I know your mom likes anime. I wonder yep. if it's this because they, uh, you know, um, my friend Mark on Letterboxd. Mark's been a friend of mine for ages via my blog. His recommendations. He actually he's the one who recommended come and see to me way back when. He he recommends like really good deep cuts. He's one of my deep cut heads, and he said on Letterboxd, he was commenting on something. And he's like, I know I've recommended this to you over over the years, but just, you know, if you can give it a shot. So yeah, please ask your mom if this is the one. I, I will ask her yeah. when we're done. When we're done, I'll text her. And uh, yeah, because she, she 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 like specifically was like, Alex needs to see these two. There were two in particular, but Perfect Blue was not one of them. I would remember the title. Oh, OK. Yeah. Did you have fun today? This was fun, wasn't it? This is this is really cool. of of the movies I just mentioned. Other than Zone of Interest, which one would you want to watch the most? Honestly, probably Night and Fog. That kind of like sounded it. like yeah. I mean, it, it's yeah. It sounds like it'd be tough, but it sounds like that necessary viewing thing. And I I can and I can, but but how effective and like real that is 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 that sounds like something that should be seen. Yeah, you'll think about it. You'll be thinking about it. So um. Yeah, this was a lot of fun. Would love to hear other people, you know, mixing up the Oscars, having fun with them. We're going to have fun with the Oscars coming up. Two more Oscar theme episodes, our narratives, which will be in a few weeks. And then the coveted. Oh, here we go. Greatly desired post-show wrap-up. <laughs> no, all right. That was fun. Great <laughs> idea on your part. This was a Nick Dosal original podcast <laughs> idea. Really appreciate it. Let us know what you think. We're everywhere at W-A-Y-W underscore podcast. But as always... Thanks for listening and happy watching. Hey everyone, thanks again for listening. You can watch my films and read my movie blog at alexwithrow.com. NicholasDostal.com is where you can find all of Nick's film work. Send us mailbag questions at whatareyouwatchingpodcast at gmail.com or find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at W-A-Y-W underscore podcast. Sorry about the Fury Road stuff. That was, that was tough. I could feel the collective eye rolls. I feel your look. Next time, we're going to completely change gears and not talk about the Oscars at all. Instead, we're going to focus on one of the most formative films of my life, and it's a movie not a lot of people talk about anymore, Barry Levinson's Sleepers. I adore this movie, so excited to get into it. Stay tuned.